Yes, that was the intro theme to Nikita Koloff. And as usual, he will be the wrestler spotlight from the NWA, covering the U.S. title later in the show. I am your host, JD. Welcome to the Redleaf Retrocast. It's episode 43 titled Gate of Victory Struggle. That gives you a hint of other stuff we'll be talking on the show. As usual, I'm going completely solo for this episode. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, already recorded the session with my mom over the weekly wrestling. Got a lot. We we had a lot to talk about there with the, uh, the Saturday Night Super Fight MLW happening. Um, most of the, I think most of my opinions are going to come at the top of the show here today, as a lot of the bigger shows just have some quick quips and thoughts more than just like covering the matches. Not not a lot of crazy. Uh, wrestling this time around, besides what I'm going to cover here at the top of the show. This is the Redley Fretrocast. I would really appreciate it if you head on over to iTunes or any uh, of those podcasting sites that you listen to, or even on YouTube. Hit a subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, leave us a review. I'll read it on the show later. And now that that's out of the way, I don't have to do that later in the show. Let's get going and we're starting off with impact bound for glory and impact tv on access debut thoughts so <clears throat> i'm a little harsh on impact on times very uh i think it deserves it because it's been 17 years of up and down lots of downs and company constantly going through changes uh, management issues booking issues especially is always frustrating with any wrestling company you watch, wrestling promotion. The matches uh, need to live up to the hype. The stories need to be hit on time. And in 2019, uh, Impact, uh, yes, the, the promotion has vastly improved since 2017. 2018 saw a lot of improvements, uh, but there was still some issues with the whole Austin Aries walkout. Uh, the John, the Johnny Impact not being pushed, and then he was, and then when he wins the title, uh, you know, you're pushing other guys to go up against him that perhaps you don't want to see this baby face uh, win over. So, 2019 has been a year where I think, despite Impact's many improvements, nobody's watching the show. And I think a lot of that attributes to not hitting things while the iron's hot. So we saw that with Brian Cage at the top of the year losing to Johnny Impact at homecoming in a mess of a main event. Let's face it. Uh, they they extend stories too long to their four pay-per-views. Uh, so rather than hitting a story's big middle... Uh, in the middle, like heading to the pay-per-view, it almost seems like the story is meant to end before that, and then it just keeps going. Hello, Kitty Cat. He is nonsense right now. I've been trying to calm him down for the last hour, but uh, so, anyways, <clears throat> here we are, bound, bound for glory. Uh, and yes, the card was okay. You know, it was fine. I, I thought, you know, a lot. Thought uh, the matches that were good. Uh, didn't have any build to him. The Elgin Marafuji match, you know, it it, it did it, it. was a good singles match. Uh, a lot of people still have a problem with Elgin with his past, 
But I really like Marufuji. He he brought it. You know, he's not busting out the moves he did from 10, 15 years ago, but he's still got his calculated chops and kicks. Uh, Elgin's the power guy. You know, he ends up winning the match over the Japanese legend. Uh, but then, you know, Elgin on... Uh, not Elgin. Uh, Marufuji on TV goes up against Joss Alexander, and I actually like that, that match much more. So... Uh, we move on to some of the things that they're pushing the hardest. And to me, they're not delivering like in any way. And in fact, and the booking is quite baffling. So, uh, the best thing and most consistent is their tag division with the North looking strong, being booked strong. The problem is they have no competition. It's always makeshift tag teams go on to tie a Valkyrie in the women's title. There's no women challenging for her. Where's been Jordan Grace through this whole thing? Well, Ty has run roughshod through the whole division, and any time someone comes in that has any hype, uh, the Taya beats her. Um, so in this case, it was Tennille Dashwood comes in, and they hi- you know they hyped it up well enough, and then when the match happens, it's abysmal. It's a horrid match. It was not good. Uh, we get to. Uh, Ken Shamrock Moose, which was one of their major things, and Ken Shamrock proved that, yes, he is indeed 55 years old, I believe that's how old he is, and he shouldn't be doing suicide dives, and he shouldn't be doing topes. Uh, Moose catches him and saves his neck from being broken on the dive, uh, and it just wasn't a good match. And then you get your main event. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm skipping around a lot, but there's a point to it. So you get to your main event. No. I won't skip around because I the the X Division ladder match was a very fun match. It was, I think, the match of the night until the ending. So you had five guys in there, including Ace Romero of all people. He was signed by Impact, and uh, he takes multiple uh, table bumps. One of which was he was pushed off the ladder. So he like tried to s- stand on the rope slipped and just crashes through the table, possibly losing one of his nine lives because he has to be part feline at this point. Uh, so Tessa Blanchard's running just crazy in this match. She is a fucking star. She's killing it. She's come back in the match. She's going nuts. The crowd is going wild. And she gets to the top of the ladder Ace Austin, the guy in a cuck storyline that, personally, I hate those things. You have to tell a damn good story to get me into something like that. Uh, He comes in, he does a cool spot where he he does the the extendo pull, you know, gambit style, cracks Tessa in the face, she falls off, and he wins the X Division title. Now... Does Ace Austin deserve the X Division title? I think it's a perfect title for him. Do I think he should have won it on this night? No. Tessa Blanchard, it was her night. She should have won this X Division title. And if you have Ace Austin thwarted or something during the match, tell a story of her going up against Ace Austin. And you can have Tessa lose this title to Ace Austin via, via heelish means. She got her win. Do your month-long storyline, you know, and she 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 loses it in December. Then you can have your number one contenders match, 
and Tessa gets into the number one contenders match in the main event. You know, you can do that. Instead, Ace Austin wins. Now Tessa's coming off of, oh, just close again, right? You're not hitting while the iron's hot. Now, cut to the main event. Sammy Callahan, a guy who's been built up over the last year and a half, ever since the bat botch uh, with Eddie Edwards, another guy who's just in just a weird character role that I'm very 50-50 on times. I do like Crazy Eddie, but then they kind of overdo it sometimes. That's a different story in itself. The point being, Sammy Callahan went nuts, goes in that crazy hardcore match against Pentagon, tears the house down, wins that, goes into the feud with Tessa Blanchard, uh, only loses the feud to Brian Cage for the X Division title. So there's some story there um, with the whole OVE and going to Ohio thing. Uh, beats Tessa Blanchard for seemingly the number one contender. So that makes sense. Now he's going up against Brian Cage. He's in a... They're in a street fight, basically. And it's a fun, brawling match. It's very entertaining. And again, in impact fashion, the booking is baffling. Everybody likes Cage. Everybody loves what Callahan represents. And he's a dirty, disgusting heel. But people respect him. Because he is more or less kind of a king of independence in himself. Just like David Starr. So, there is a pull uh, uh, snap pile driver on thumbtacks. Callahan's finisher at the end. And Brian Cage immediately gets up, hits his finisher, and pins Callahan. One, two, three. Are you kidding me? To me, and I'll say this over and over again, your show, any show, I don't care if it's a Broadway stage play, I don't care if it's a movie, I don't care if it's a TV show on uh, the Fox Network in its third, fifth, ninth season. How you end a show, your main event, your season finale, whatever you want to call it, if you end it in a way that makes no goddamn sense, if you end it in a way that pisses people off, then you failed. And in this case, no selling Callahan's finisher on fucking thumbtacks is asinine. To me, it ruined the Callahan story and ruined the hype. Now, cut to a week later. And they tell a story where Callahan has now kidnapped Cage's wife, Melissa Santos, and blackmailed Brian Cage into a rematch in a cage. So, if you're going to do this the whole time, why the no-sell? It's a fine story. I'm totally okay with the blackmail thing. That's great. That's Callahan's character. You got your title match. The whole no-sell just... Now I just... It, it took me totally out of it. So cut to Axis. Impact on Axis. Cage match. Callahan 
hits a second rope pile driver, just a little bit taller off the ground. No thumbtacks, pins cage one, two, three, new champion. You know, good feeling, sure. Where does that leave cage? He no sells the pile driver one week. Then it then it puts him down. It's just it's very it's it makes me just turn my head three times and, and think think way too much, right? And Tessa Blanchard's now challenging uh for the title they announced, uh I guess to start the new year or something. There's a five way dance elimination match. Uh, involving Elgin and Blanchard and a number of other guys that probably have no business being in uh, the match. So, Blanchard's probably going to win that, and that's going to be their excuse. I don't like the whole elimination gauntlet matches with too many people that you question why they're even in this situation in the first place. Uh, you know, this everything could be built up so much better they're just overcomplicating it or hot shotting angles. I'm not for it. Now, am I excited for a Blanchard Callahan part two? Part three, even? Uh, yeah, sure. Just could be better. So, it's impact at the end of the day. Uh, it's not one of the best promotions out there by any means. It's not must watch TV in my mind. It's fourth best on TV currently, I guess. Maybe for a live TV? Fifth best? They got a lot of talent, but the overexposures, mm, it's rough these days. So, uh, cut to now another promotion that's kind of rough to watch as I make my little note here. I'm going, I'm going to go easy on the drops today. I'm going to go easy on that. Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix had the Mega Championship Triple A title match at uh, Heroes Immortal, uh, Immortalis uh, 13. Um, did I watch this show last year? I might have. I don't think I covered it, though. Uh, much much like uh, uh, Triple Mania this year. I did watch it. I just didn't cover it on the podcast. Yeah, bloody main event. Yeah, we got it. Uh, but this match was especially good. Omega and Phoenix going for the title. Match goes the better part of 20 minutes with Omega cracking Phoenix's nose to a bloody mess three-fourths through the match. Phoenix uh, was real, real hot early, pulling out his entire aerial arsenal, you know, the rope-walking attacks, etc. Kenny would gain control, deliver a backbreaker, reminiscent to what Bane did in Batman. That's what it gave gave me big vibes of that. It's like, you don't know what you're doing, Phoenix. Mm Mm-hmm. Story overall was, no matter how many blackout knees Phoenix took, V-triggers in Kenny's uh, lingo, he kept escaping the one-wing angel afterwards. I think Omega went for it three or four times. However, the tide finally turned when Omega reversed a Super Hurricane Rana into a Super Power Bomb. I've seen a move similar to this where Valter did it to Phoenix during this, during 16 Karat Gold and his mask flew off. Mask didn't fall off here. Two counts on the cover. Omega hits a double underhook sit-down pile driver. Phoenix kicks out on the cover. Again, Omega connects. One last V-trigger. Successfully executes the one-wing angel. Just fantastic match worth checking out. Uh, as they were setting up the cage for the main event, uh, there were bottles being thrown at the ring. 
where the cage was hitting it. So you could see people like kind of reinforcing the cage and securities trying to keep people out. So there was a lot of heat for Omega winning in Mexico. That was pretty cool. Um, the show was okay. Heroes Immortalis. Uh, it was, you know, wacky. It's tri- it's triple A at the end of the day. Uh, my, I mean, fuck, if I could watch The Crash on a regular basis, I probably would. So I just have to deal with MLW's relationship on that. Uh, so triple A is, I mean, Vikingo and Toros uh, killed it in the Rumble match. That was awesome the way that ended. On to, uh, you know what? I will play drop here. Let me just get it going. I'm all out of whack here. Uh, I need to get Hikaru Shida's theme. Here we go. Alright, that will be a double take as I push my cat off the mic table again. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. So, uh, talking Gato move some more. Uh, let's see. Didn't write these down. Okay, so I watched, uh, I watched about four matches from Gato move. Uh... I'm going to talk about three of them. There was a there was a Lulu Pencil match that was exactly what you expect. It's Lulu Pencil. She's fighting a dude. She uh, is the Orange Cassidy. She's doing wacky, her wacky hijinks. Entertaining. Uh, but in the past couple weeks, Gato Move has crushed it with some of the matches they put on. Mitsuru Kono uh, versus Emi Sakura from March 22nd. They uploaded that. It's 15 minutes. It's a great example of Emi Sakura's training and what makes Kono stand out among the... I put her at number two currently in the uh, promotion. I I think her star power is lacking to get her number one. But she her style is very much what you would associate with Emi Sakura. This is a good match to check that out. Uh, then there's the big match. Well, uh, let me say this first. Uh, Kono faced off against, uh, Sawasdi Common. <laughs> Sawasdi Common? I don't know how to pronounce that name. It's another good example of, of just Kono showing what she's able to do and, ta- and, and, uh, that match took place on April 27th. Uh, everything's available on YouTube, as I say. The, the there was also a May Sugura versus Emi Sakura match, October thirty first, twenty nineteen. It was for the three CW Women's Championship. Uh, Emi Sakura again, just killing it. And I actually got to look at my rankings. Yeah, okay, cool. Emi Sakura is just killing it, showing her vast, vast veteran experience. Uh, she does the same thing in all of her matches, and the order she does everything in is timed so well she's the best she's one of the best workers in the world even at her age great seller she knows especially in the kono match mitsuru kono it it really highlights what she's able to bring out in her opponents it's almost like she's like okay now you can do your thing it really reminds me a lot of kind of the way bret hart would put matches together against young opponents where it's like okay what are your 
four or five best moves. All right. We're not going to do them right away, right? We're not going to do them in a row. We're going to space them out and build to those four or five moves uh, and then get to the climax. And that's what Emi Sakura does in her matches. Uh, I saw it in the Kono match and especially saw it in the Mei Suguru match. What happened here was I saw more personality out of Mei Suguru than I had in any match prior that I'd seen. Mei Suguru's got this kind of... She's in her early 20s. Uh, she's got a... She's got a cute factor to her, sure. Uh, she she likes putting her uh, like fists under her chin and doing the whole magical girl kind of idol thing uh, that that's uh, very popular in Japan. Um, and she's smaller than Sakura, so Sakura would try to do her, her, um, uh, bow and arrow stretch by going, ayo, ayo, and, um, May <laughs> counters this, but she can't put Sakura in because she's too big and Suruga's too small, uh, so she's just singing to the crowd. A uh, really good spot was when... Oh, and this this took place in uh, Shinkiba, this particular match. So it was in in the ring, uh, which I vastly prefer over Ichigaya Chocolate Square, despite the uniqueness to it all. I do like seeing them in the ring every now and again, for sure. Uh, my favorite spot was Sugura on the apron, uh, and Sakura's in the ring. And Sakura's trying to hit Suruga, but she keeps ducking and then doing her cute mannerisms on top of it all, and then hits her. So, uh, Sakura does retain in the end. Uh, there, there's, there were more matches that went up, but these were the top three, I would say. Go out of your way to watch. Um, so, good showings by Kono and Mei, but Emi Sakura at the end of the day, you know... She's she's the legend for a reason. And that's Gato Move. That's a little update. Uh, they're really easy to watch. It's just they're free on YouTube. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. And let me move on then right into Dramatic Dream Team Ultimate Party. DDT. I don't believe I've ever covered DDT on this podcast before. DDT is a Japanese promotion focused on comedy. Now, it's not for everybody, but they do have a top of the card that's filled with good workers. They have a lot of good characters. There's a million titles. Can't even keep up with them all. Uh... And they have a partnership with Tokyo Joshi Pro. So, the Ultimate Party was a six and a half hour show. It took me like three days to watch this fucking thing. Uh, took place in Ryogoku. There was about like 6,000 people there. Uh, great showing. Um, the Iron Heavyweight, the Iron Man Heavy Metal title uh, is their comedy 24-7 type belt, uh, hardcore title, whatever you want to call it. A chair ended up pinning a guy named Shota. Then there was a chair versus a chair because there was a chair on top of the chair. So then they bring out the chair to a battle royal match. Uh, 
just hijinks galore. There was a 100 plastic Tupperware case match, which was just looked like it sucked. It was like five minutes of just people getting slammed through plastic and it's just exploding. Um, the Gauntlet tag team match was a lot of fun. Uh, from all the characters and trying to get in, uh, the my favorite... Okay, so let me say this first. JPQ of the No Particular Angle podcast. He's shown me Maki Ito before. But I've never really, like, bought into her. Because I've never really been exposed to Maki Ito. I've seen clips. I've seen still shot pictures. I've never truly watched a Maki Ito match. Until today. Chris Brooks, one of my favorite UK indie indie wrestlers, teams with Maki Ito, and Chris Brooks is really tall. Maki Ito kind of short. She pins she she pins herself as the world's cutest wrestler. Everybody must pay attention to her. So much so that when she sings her entrance song, she sits on Chris Brooks' shoulders as Chris Brooks is giving double middle fingers to the crowd. <laughs> She's singing her song. Chris Brooks dance with her. Chris Brooks is like her partner, but also like hired muscle to an extent. And uh, they get in the ring with these really short, decent working girls called the Bakuretsu sisters and both of them combined on each other's shoulders are like just barely taller than Chris Brooks so so there's a few moments where Maki Ito just shines and she is in a lot of ways like Natsu Sumire in stardom so much character decent in the ring uh, above average when she feels like it so she gets on Chris Brooks' shoulders. They both give her give them the middle finger because now they're taller. They stand taller. They're better than them. They they have their match. Uh, Maki Ito. Anytime Chris Brooks tries to like get some spotlight, she just starts yelling at him in just this voice where it's it just gets really super deep and like she's no longer the cutest girl kind of situation. So Chris Brooks tags her in. Then she gets the spotlight and of course. The opponents, whomever was in the ring at the time, gets the best of her. Uh, when the next team comes in, it's two guys. Now now Maki has to go against these dudes. So what does she do? She goes for a test of strength of shoulder tackles against this dude. So she runs the ropes, and the dude just runs her over like, like she's yesterday's garbage. Like, weighs nothing. So she gets knocked down, and she starts crying. And now he feels bad. So she gets to her feet. She stomps on his toes, gives him the finger. She goes to run the ropes again, and he just runs her over again. <laughs> so good. Well, they end up getting pinned right away, and I was just devastated. I immediately stopped the show in my first sitting right there and watched, like, six Maki Ito matches, and I couldn't get enough of her. She is unbelievably entertaining. And I watched them all from 2019. So, uh... I think she deserves an immediate five points in my rankings just because of that. Yes, it is my rankings. I can do whatever I feel like it. 
So then I'll just cut uh, through. There was there was more comedy matches, hardcore matches, and the like. There was a women's tag team match that I wasn't really into at all. wasn't very good. Uh, what I was into were these two matches, and that was the Princess of Princess title match. The uh, I guess it's the Tokyo Joshi Pro title. Yuka Sakizaki taking on the champion Shoka Nakajima. It was just under 15 minutes, which is almost the perfect time for a women's match, it seems. You know, like 20 minutes is usually for the man, the men, and that's magic time. 15 is like magic time for women. Well, this match went 14, and Yuka Sakazaki just killed it in the ring. The magical girl hit all of her key moves, spaced out so well. Uh, you know, the Josie style doesn't attribute to crispness that a Western style would prefer, but I almost, I almost prefer a, a almost roughness, uh, to my wrestling. It makes it seem more realistic. I hope that translates well to the audio. So Shoko Nakajima did look a very solid here. She looked like a champion. She acted like a champion. She hit her moves. Uh, but at the end of the day, Yuka Sakazaki came off as the big babyface underdog star. And this dog won that day. Almost tears in her eyes. Like, she couldn't believe she won the title at first. Uh, real good match. Real good story. Uh, it's not going to crack my top ten of the year, but it was definitely a very solid match. That was followed by... Kenny Omega's return to DDT. I think this was the first time he's been back in a DDT ring since he left the promotion to go to New Japan. Uh, so when he finally gets tagged in, he comes out. People love him. Riho comes out. People love her. Miyu Yamashita and Antonio Honda are their opponents, so it's a it's a mixed tag match. Uh, Kenny gets tagged in. He just kind of takes a deep breath, soaks in the moment. You know, you can tell it meant a lot to him. Uh Riho looked absolutely fantastic in this match. Uh, it was everything was building to Omega versus Yamashita. That was the story, and Miyu Yamashita is a beast. She's got the look. She's got the size. I mean, she's only five five, but you know, for for a woman, that's that's a good size, especially in Japan. She's got big, long kicks to match her long legs, respectively. Uh, Kenny Omega didn't do a lot of offense to her. It was almost like he was hesitating. It was almost like it was a tryout for Yamashita. Maybe? There's some speculation. I've been talking to people in my Discord. If you want to join my Discord, hey, hit me up on Twitter at BowenJD. little plug there. But yeah, this this match was utterly fantastic. I'm not the biggest Antonio Honda fan. I especially don't like his little tell a story. Uh, I'll give up. It was funny the first time. I don't like it the second time. I don't like it the third time. Definitely don't like it the fourth time. <laughs> it's not over with me. His his get up isn't the point. Being I don't like Antonio Honda. He's fine at the end of the day. I don't have to like him. But Kenny Omega, in this match with Yamashita and a guy I don't like, holy shit. Kenny Omega can do no wrong. He is the best bout machine for a reason. And Riho, uh, 
despite her size, she's another one that's like, I think Yuka Sakazaki is a better wrestler than Riho. But what Riho has over Yuka, just barely, is that root factor. Right? You want to root for her. And we're seeing that in AEW. So this match, I do recommend to see what Kenny Omega's capable of, what Riho's capable of. And if you're not familiar with uh, Miyu Yamashita, I wasn't too familiar. You know, I've, I've seen a couple of her matches. This was definitely something I paid much more close to. And this went 20 minutes. There was the main event, the double title match, the KOD Openweight title versus the DDT Extreme title. It was Hiroshima against Konosuke Takashida. It was way too long, way too brooding, way too slow. I didn't like it very much. Uh, I thought Takashita is the bigger star, but at the end of the day, Hiroshima gets the win. It's not a match I personally would go out of my way to seek. Um, it did have a big match feel, just wasn't into it. So that was DDT. Long-ass show. Uh too much comedy to even begin to go into more detail unless I want to dedicate the entire podcast to Ultimate Party. So go check that out. Um, one of the best shows of the year, I will say. Uh, the main event, despite me thinking it was a little boring, um, I'm glad I broke that event up into three uh, days. <laughs> so maybe by the time I got to the end of all that, I just I just couldn't. And coming after Kenny Omega, there, there's there's there could be a number of factors why I just couldn't get into it. So, making my notes and moving on to All Japan Pro Wrestling. I watched the Raising an Army Memorial Series show day six because it was headlined by Kento Miyahara taking on Jake Lee for the Triple Crown title. So... A quick thought is 2019 All Japan Pro Wrestling. They're definitely in a building phase. Uh, I've made no secret of my opinion towards All Japan Wrestling. I think they have a good ground, uh, but I could really care less about the promotion itself besides checking in on a match every now and again, like today. However, I will say in 2019, it is very obvious that their undercard is being built very well. It's getting more interesting to watch the undercard and see who's getting a push and whatnot. Kind of like Dragon Gate in 2016, where you see all these young guys and you're like, okay, he could have potential. I think I like him. You know, let's see who gets pushed. And then the next year, you start seeing the young guys get pushed more, and then the year after that, that's when these guys are ready. So uh, the exception in All Japan, what sets it different from Dragon Gate, is Dragon Gate, they kind of had all these guys come up and be pushed at the same time in different ways. In All Japan, you see Nomura gets the push, Jake Lee gets the push, because they really have no one at the top. That's their problem. Dragon Gate had, they have the Yoshino, they have the uh, uh, Mochizuki. They have Yamato, right? They have all those guys already. You just need the young guys to inject new blood into the scene. All Japan doesn't have that. All they have is Kento Miyahara. Yeah, there's Okibayashi. There's 
the occasional Ishikawa. They tried the Zeus experiment, just, yeah, didn't work. They need the young blood, right, at the end of the day. So that's where Jake Lee and Nomura come in. Then who's after them? Now, the tag division is probably where I won't even, like, try with the junior division. That's a waste of time. You know, uh... <clears throat> so... <sighs> Lost my train of thought. Tag division has been probably the most solid with, uh... What's their, what's their faces? Uh... Ugh! Oh, uh, violent Giants. Jesus. Uh, they're carrying it, as they should. And they're a lot of the guys on the undercard, they're getting in the tag matches, and that's where they're proving themselves. So, great. Tag division's good. It's the third best tag division, maybe, in Japan, after Dragon Gate and Star. <laughs> uh, so, Kento Miyahara takes on Jake Lee. It went 33 minutes. Stylistically, this was way, 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 way better than their champion carnival match. Uh, it was more of a kickboxing-based affair uh, with the opportunity to do wrestling moves. And that's the key. The story here was clearly Jake Lee trying to knock out good old Kento. P- period. Full stop. There were multiple times in the match where Kento got cracked and didn't move. Uh, big one on the outside. He gets just lit up uh, with a penalty kick to the head. Zero movement from Kento, and the ref just kind of lets it go, basically. Just continue. He's, like, touching him. The R's not moving. Kento is just done, right? Um, You know, obviously, they're not going to end the match, like, right there after, like, seven minutes. You know, that would just be crazy. Although, that would get Jake Lee over tremendously, right? Jake Lee finally showed a little emotion in this match. It's one of my big problems with this dude. I think he's half Korean, if I'm not mistaken, or he's Korean descent. And, uh, you know, he's got this big martial arts background. I think it's Taekwondo or... Well, we'll go with kickboxing. I haven't done a lot of research on Jake Lee. Just what my what I observed. So he's got this martial arts style to him. He's got no personality, no charisma. His get-up is kind of kickboxing-esque, what, what you would see in, a, in, in the ring. It's... If I, you know, I'll just move on. The re- so, the ref just lets this go. And the second crack uh, was better as Lee beckons the ref away in the ring for a finishing blow, right? Just kind of puts his hand out, looks at, he gets a look in his eyes. Like, that was the best Jake Lee moment in the match, right? But alas, this is still, at the end of the day... The Kento Miyahara Show. Hitting a crazy amount of blackout knees. Jumping shining wizards. You know, he's trying to max match this kickboxing style with his own, like, version of it. Uh, one in particular, where he counters a Lee wrestling move. And uh, then that Lee is slumped over, facing the second turnbuckle on his knees. Kento just does that back up, gets a crazy look on his face. He's salivating, he's sticking his tongue out, going side to side, runs at him full speed, blasts him with a knee from behind. Oh, this is why Kento Miyahara is one of the best in the world. Things like that. Anyways, Kento retains victory number eight via the shutdown German. 
we done here. I thought I went 10 minutes too long. I'm not on the Jake Lee train at all. Do I have a drop? I should have played the Kento Miyahara music. You know what? What's stopping me from doing it now, listeners? Nothing, that's what. There, that's a that's a that's the opposite drop. It's to celebrate Kento Miyahara's eighth victory, eighth defense. Well, now it's time to talk OTT fifth anniversary show, and I'm just it, it it's a one match show, ladies and gentlemen. Jordan Devlin versus David Starr two. If you don't remember, at the beginning of 2019 at OTT Homecoming, Devlin and Starr had a Match of the Year candidate with a crazy story of both wanting to beat Walter, Walter and Devlin's history with him, wanting to get his title back, Starr's history with him because he never beats Walter. Well, here we are in the end of October. Oh, my God, this match. Let me tell you the story. We first hear the music going back to the song Devlin used when he won the NLW title, of all things. Except it wasn't Jordan Devlin who came out. It was David Starr in the Black Assassin's Creed hood. It's revealed to be him. I popped. Doubly so for Star's Trunks, which, unlike at Homecoming where it read Dilschlacht, or, uh, Dilschlacht, it read Import Killer this time, as both men were leaning into their characters and the portrayals of them. Oh, this was good. David Starr killing it yet again. The build for this had managed to successfully, somehow, turn Jordan Devlin, whenever he was in the same room as David Starr, it's important. He is now a sellout. In David Starr's eyes, he is independent. For the people and by the people. And Devlin is the guy that left his people, his own people, for the corporation. On their own, both men get largely cheered. It's a weird and yet awesome atmosphere that's created. So if you watch, like, any OTT build, Devlin gets cheered all the time. Crowd's firmly behind him. David Starr gets mostly... Before the feud was built to this second uh, Devlin match, Starr was booed heavily with every all the shit he was doing. But as soon as he got into the character of, I'm the independent... I'm the import killer. You're actually the bad guy. People got on Star's side. It is tremendous storytelling. Tremendous character work. Tremendous wrestling on top of it. Devlin being treated like a sellout by his own people is something I could not predict was going to happen this year. The best heel... 
is the one that tells a fragment of the truth, as they say. And in Devlin's case, he's been on the top long enough to become the very thing he fought against. An import in, his, in, in this quote-unquote form. Just excellent. Match starts as a fist fight, true enough, picking up right where they left off at homecoming. So they counter for counter, fist for fist, and it kicks up when Star right hooks Devlin, busting him open near the left eye boxing style. Oh, it's awesome. A blood feud indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, after more counter-for-counter wrestling, because this is an indie promotion after all, you can't just... It's it's not a WWE match, as they would as I, as I might put it. This is every other match. It's, I'm going to counter your move with my move, I'm going to counter-counter-counter, and hit my move, and hopefully I'll get that three count. There's a product placement, that gets a two count, prompting Star to then go after the referee because he's sensing a screw job in the works. As Star has placed this conspiracy theory and favoritism to OTT from the signed talent. That is the story, so it all makes sense. Star likes this conspiracy thing. He did it in uh, RevPro. He's doing it here in OTT. Star's back outside. Catches a glimpse of the OTT title. He snatches it off the ring announcer. Oh, People are begging Star to reconsider. Don't use the belt win this match, then Devlin, after he retrieves the belt following a super kick. Ooh. Will Devlin live up to the devil status that the hype video had given him? And OTT's hype videos, oh, they deliver. Go check that out on their YouTube page. They play it before the match, too. It's brilliant. Star wanted him to do it. He spits on the belt, and some gets on Devlin, too. Ah! Storytelling, calling back to when he stepped on the NXT UK title in his match versus Walter. Before Devlin threw the belt aside, uh, Devlin actually hits a low blow. Uh, No, Star hits a low blow uh, on Devlin as the belt's thrown aside. The ref's distracted. Almost gets the win. Star goes back to the belt. Tug of War ends with a low blow now on Star. As Jordan Devlin punts him in the ding-ding, one might say. Now Jordan's booed, and he laughs to the crowd. Oh, a double turn, if you will. It's pretty funny how when Star does it, people are just like, oh, because he's still kind of the bad guy, right? But when Jordan does it, oh, be damned. Then he lands the package pile driver. Think it's over. No one kicks out of the package pile driver from Jordan Devlin. But David Starr does. Oh, I can't even recall anyone kicking out. After a couple teased DX chops and a pedigree, it's reversed. Jordan Devlin's not going to let David Starr hit Triple H's move. Leads into two hand stancings, and Starr gets the win. Oh. Oh, this match. I hope you enjoyed that story. David Starr doesn't celebrate in the back. He doesn't celebrate with anybody. He celebrates with the people. Oh, what a touch. OTT, your main events this year have been stupendous. Congratulations. 
best match in Europe. Whew. On to the wrestler spotlight. Whew. Need some water after that. Where's my Bret Hart drop? The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. So this is going to be a shorter one, I think. Eh, they're getting pretty short. NWA US Champion number 18. The name is Nikita Koloff. The Russian Nightmare. The 34th reign winning the vacant title once Magnum TA was stripped of it. Koloff would reign for 328 days from August 17, 1986 to July 11, 1987. Eventually losing it to Lex Luger, the total package. This was followed from losing it to uh, Ric Flair in a world title match after uh, the Great American Bash over the summer a year earlier, uh, setting up Koloff to be a big star. Koloff defeated Wahoo McDaniel on September 28, 1986 to unify the NWA national title into the U.S. title. So yet another rub gotten from good old Wahoo Basically every single person since 1980, especially involving the U.S. title. Uh, Koloff, originally from Minnesota. Uh, this is what this is what made me uh, love this guy when I was doing uh, like backtracks and watching. Uh, he was so dedicated to his role and character. He actually learned Russian during his training and while on the road, so he was able to get that accent just down. Use Russian in his promos. That is dedication, ladies and gentlemen. His feud with Magnum TA for the U.S. title was contested under a best-of-seven series. I don't remember if I mentioned that when I covered Magnum TA. But this best-of-seven series, I watched every single one. It was great. Uh, Koloff berated TA's mother during a contract signing, causing TA to lose it, and the NWA NWA title. uh, uh, The NWA stripped him of the title. So, uh, Koloff is... Uh, I believe I actually mentioned Koloff when Rad was on the podcast and we covered uh, the very first War Games. And Koloff was on Team Sting, I believe. Memory serves. Team WCW. Yeah, because he was against the Horsemen. Um, Koloff is awesome. He's... Not the greatest wrestler in the world. He's certainly better than Lex Luger. I watched that feud. That was interesting, to say the least. Uh, late 80s Lex Luger isn't isn't bad. He's he's entertaining. They they kept him. He's got the good physique. Koloff is better. Uh, but he was that stereotypical foreign heel. And I've seen it so much in this day and age. It was hard to get into him at first. His finisher is really lame. It's the Russian sickle. It's just like this weak-looking clothesline that requires the dude he's given it to to kind of sell it too much. So I ended up watching like four squash matches of Nikita Koloff. And the jobbers would do a flip or they'd get turned inside out, much of like what you would see today. And that was, those were the better sells than, say, him doing it with Lex Luger who would just fall to the mat. And it just made it look really shitty. So, it was kind of ironic where I was actually having more fun watching Koloff beat up jobbers and in tag matches against kind of 
while they were technically not the best opponents, but he looked way better. <clears throat> so when he was in the ring with TA, that was my favorite. When he was in the ring with Luger, it just made me realize, God, Luger's bad. Because <laughs> Koloff didn't have a lot of training, <clears throat> but he did what he did. He was able to do so well, whether it was catching a dude and just giving him a scoop slam, uh, putting the guy in the corner and forearming the back real hard, uh, the big jumping shoulder tackle because he's, so, he's got the big shoulders himself. Everything came off so strong with Nikita Koloff. His promos were hit and miss with me. They were they were uh, they, they didn't blow me away, but they were fine. Uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering if I was growing up during this era of NWA, and I was watching Koloff, would would I have been into him? You know, I was in the Jake the Snake Roberts. And, you know, I I got the old VHS tapes. You know, for Blockbuster and whatnot. Saw a lot of Jake Roberts. Obsessed with him. Him and Greg Valentine. You know, didn't get the coal off. You know, I, so was that a lack of exposure? Because I don't think he lasted much longer after like '93 or something. Uh, didn't have a long career. Well, no, I think he came in the '80, early '80s. Yeah, because he had the Ric Flair rub, got to the top of the card. But in retrospect, I really liked Nikita Koloff and his U.S. title run and just wish he had a better finisher at the end of the day. That's really all I got to complain about him. Uh, you could tell NWA wanted to make him a bigger star than what he was. Uh, I, th I think he's like a Greg Valentine where I really liked him in that upper mid card. He was very good spot for the U.S. title. I don't think he's NWA title world title material, but damn, he could get in some of those good workhorse feuds for the U.S. title, and uh, when a, a bigger star would come along, come along, then, yeah, that's when he would lose. He would lose to them. So, uh, would I mention MW NWA Power on YouTube? Um, it's fine. It's I really can't get into the wrestling. The promos are extremely interesting, so I'm still watching those. Uh, Kingston's killing it. Nick Aldis is fucking fantastic. Uh, the whole the whole Camille Silent Camille thing is wonderful. I, I'm not wild about Colt Cabana getting the fluke victory over James Storm and the whole Eli Drake telling James Storm, you know, watch your back. You're you got the target. You're the number one contender. Thing. So, not much else to say on NWA Power. With that, uh, so yeah, Nikita Koloff. Thumbs up. I'm get. This is my favorite era of the NWA US title. Is this late '80s period? You know, we got we got Tully Blanchard, Magnum TA, Nikita Koloff. Now, you know, I watched a whole documentary uh, made over the NWA US title, and um, that documentary kind of spurred this on a little bit. Let's be honest. Uh, this journey has gotten me to really look more into these wrestlers and and respect more and and love the past. So, with this. We'll cut to my mom. We're doing our weekly wrestling recap. We're going over Uncharted, a little bit of Uncharted Territory from Beyond Wrestling, MLW. we got the Saturday Night Super Fight and uh, a couple episodes of AEW. And then uh, we'll come back, go to the major shows, and finish out with WCW Nitro.
Okay. Here we are, JD with mom, all for another episode. Tonto with you? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yes, it's another two weeks have gone by of the weekly wrestling. Mom, you just got back from an amazing vacation and watched, what, all of it yesterday? <laughs> hey you know i'm on vacation i'm not gonna watch wrestling i'm not gonna do nothing i didn't even read i didn't even pick up a newspaper i watched food network (laughs) food network come on that that, well i guess that's wrestling with food because i yeah it is it can be yeah yeah. because i don't have cable and i like to watch the food network once in a while I don't have cable either. We have to find other ways to watch our wrestling, like YouTube and shady sites. <laughs> hey. <laughs> or go to them live, like I do a lot of the times. Shall I tell yeah. you about my Beyond Wrestling experience? Get right Please into do. it. Or should I yeah, tell you about right my health it. problems? <laughs> no, I don't want to hear about your health problems. Okay. We all got problems. We all Just got problems. Get in it. Well, get so Beyond, it. Beyond Wrestling, uh, <clears throat> episode four... Uh, I'm sorry, five. Is that right? Why do I have... I have the wrong one up. How dare I? Oh. This is awful. Off to a bad start. I was getting I got, ahead of myself. I guess so. I thought you were ready. I, th- You know, I thought I was ready, <laughs> but I need episode four up. And I'm at the events, right? Yeah. But... Uh, oh, my God. Losing my train of thought here. So I have... Yes, four. Uh, I'm at the event, so I'm not taking notes as I'm at the event. <laughs> I would hope not. How can you enjoy the event? <laughs> How come I didn't sit sit there like a boxing journalist with a with a pad and paper, and I'm shaking right. it at the ring ropes, going, "Get him! Get him! <laughs> Write it down! Can I get a word from you, Thomas Santel?" <laughs> exactly. What the hell? Where were you on the night of the thirteenth? Were you training for this fight? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I didn't get to make it to episode four because I was ill, so I had to watch it on IWTV Live, <gasps> Independent Wrestling TV Live, so I finally got to use my my subscription to that service, oh, cool. and I gotta, I gotta say, uh, not a good show. I was quite bored. Oh, it was, no. It wasn't like the wrestling was bad or the stories they were trying to tell, tell weren't bad, it was just... A lot of the wrestling was kind of not interesting to me. I was ill, you know. I like wasn't in the mood for it. The main the main event made me uncomfortable at times because it was Nick Gage taking on a woman called Maria Manic. She's maniac, manic, but she goes by the nickname the Man Eater because she's a rather tall and built woman, you know, like China. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this was a hardcore match, which consisted of Nick Gage 
basically beating the shit out of her and making her bleed and chair shots to the head. It, it just made me... I think I found the line where intergender wrestling... Uh, I'm not sure if it if it was a... See, that's what I'm talking about. That's just not right. Well, I don't have a problem with intergender wrestling. Like, Chris Statlander faced off of against VSK early in the night, and I was like, mm. eh, wrestling was okay, I guess. I just wasn't into it. Uh, Statlander's, like, as big as some of these guys, you know, and she wins, like, more than half the time. She gets her fair shot in. But this mm-hmm. one was just, I don't know. Nick Gage matches in general get ultra-violent. That's his whole thing. He's the master of ultra-violence. So taking a uh. cheese, cheese grater to her forehead, the chair shot to uh. the head, just straight made me uncomfortable. Wow. You know, I'm like, oh, concussion out. Yeah. Uh, I, don't to, I don't need to see that. So that's kind of the, I, I'm not sure if. Yeah, there's a I, line. I'm not sure if this if she if if this was a guy he was doing the same thing against would have made me uncomfortable. Well, I got the answer to that question the very next week on Halloween. Mm. So, the Halloween show was a lot of fun. I get, did get to go to that. Everyone's in costumes. Uh, you know, big all, all everyone's in like wrestling costumes. There was a guy yeah. dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage in his whole gear. Nice. He even had Slim Jims in his hand. That was funny. Wow. Uh, there was a guy. There was a guy that put on a giant blonde wig, and he had a Ric Flair robe <laughs> in the audience. Um, even uh, the ring announcer was dressed up like I think he was the Kiss Demon. Uh huh. Like Gene Simmons. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was a, that was that was a lot of fun. Everyone's in a good mood. Uh, the wrestling was was much better. Uh, Thomas Santel beat Wheeler Yuta. That was a fun match. A uh, guy named, uh, you, you've kept up with just hearing me talk about Tony Deppin in the Discovery Gauntlet. Uh-huh. Got to win it to stay in it. He's been he's been he's been pretty much the 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 main draw for me for a lot of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Well, he beat up a guy and took his spot in like week one, right? Mm-hmm. And they were advertising for this show. This dude in this creepy like Rorschach mask kind of situation. Had a okay. cool little video, and he comes out. He's really creepy. Tony Deppin's like, who the fuck is that guy? Oh, he's weird. Ooh. And then the match starts, and he immediately takes off the mask. I was like, why? Like, I liked his shtick. He was creepy looking and everything. Yeah. Well, it turns out it's the dude he beat up on week one, so there was a purpose to it. But I'm like, dude, you should have kept the mask on. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and you beat him. And then when he's like all freaked out, like if you were gonna plan to take the mask off the whole time, yeah, beat him first, yeah. and then do it at the end, and that leads yeah. to the finish, or yeah, you know, sure. Deppin thinks he got screwed, and then he takes the he he rips the mask off him because he wants to know who he was, and yeah. it's like oh, it was that dude the, the whole time, ah, but yeah, so that kind of got lost on me. Um, and the match was like three minutes, so it wasn't even that long either. Wow. Yeah. Uh. Got to see the fun tag team, Gaitanic Panic. <laughs> you would you would like this shtick they got uh-huh. going on. Guy uh-huh. named Danhausen. He is a demon character. Okay. But he's like really skinny, and uh, there's a, a he's kind of funny. Well, you did have the Halloween theme, so. Oh, he was perfect for it, right? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Guy guy named Pinky Sanchez from Team Pazuzu. <laughs> he comes out like he's got real long hair, and he's um. He's Latino descent, right? 
Okay. And he looks like Mexican Jesus, and everyone was chanting Mexican Jesus in the in the audience. That was awesome. So you had the demon character against Mexican Jesus. So they kind of did a whole. Uh, he was throwing like holy water at him. Danhausen pulls out like teeth, and he's like, "I'll eat this teeth." And um, and then there's any, any smoke going on after the holy. No, there's no smoke. No smoke. But Danhausen does have a very very fun shtick he does in a match where he gets on the ape, he throws a guy to the outside. He stands on the apron, then he looks at the dude, the dude that like cues all the entrance music and stuff, mm-hmm. and he just goes, "Play my music," <laughs> and um, uh, the the tequila song starts playing, <laughs> and he's dancing to it, and it's like bad dancing, yeah. and he's dancing and kicking the guys on the apron to the beat, so they just keep trying to to go at him. He'll like jump over him. <laughs> Da, 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 kicks him. Da, 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 kicks the next guy. Da, 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 jumps over them trying to get him. Kicks him. Da, 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 da. Tequila. You know, it's really fun. I yeah. took a I took a video of it. I oh I, okay I, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then his partner's named Effie, E F F Y. He's kind of this like gay character, I guess. Okay. I don't know if he's actually gay, but he he wears like fishnet stockings and. He he like looks at the the big dude across the ring. He's like, "Hey, daddy!" <laughs> so he's like really. It's and he's a good wrestler yeah. too. So it's it's quite yeah. it's quite funny. So yeah. that was that was a really fun match on Halloween. Uh huh. And the main event was a one hundred thousand thumbtack match of Nick Gage again, a super ultra violent match against Mance Warner. And I was pretty excited for this, but then as the match went on, it was just violence for the sake of violence which I wasn't mm-hmm. into. It was just, here's a mm-hmm. bunch of thumbtacks on the ground. Let's throw the guy on it and do some stiffs, mm-hmm. do some shit, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, like, rhyme or reason to it. Mance mm-hmm. Warner, you've seen in MLW. He was in the um, the matches with Jimmy Havoc. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, throwing yep. the pumpkins yep. on the dude and everything. Yeah. Hardcore yeah. match. He's yeah. really fun to watch. Like, he, he has big facial expressions. Yeah. Uh, he's a big dude. Like, when Nick Gage was coming out in the ring, he's, like, looking at him. He's smiling. He's like, yeah, come on. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for some violence, kind of. Like, he's got a good mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was just, it was just, here's a bunch of thumbtacks. I'm going to throw you on it. I'm going to step on your hand on thumbtacks. I'm going to shove a bunch in your mouth. I'm going to. So, did he win? No, Mance Warner lost. Nick Gage wins all the time. Like, this dude doesn't. So. Oh. He wins on violence. He wins on violence. That's his. That's gotcha. his shtick. The crowd just uh-huh. absolutely loves the guy. Uh, okay. But I'm just really not into this. They whole apparently thing. like violence. Well, so Uncharted season one didn't have a lot, like a lot of Nick Gage, especially in the main event. There wasn't a mm-hmm. lot of this hardcore stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm just not into it. You know, I saw the mm-hmm. New Year's one where it was like guys are getting hit with keyboards and. That was Nick Gage against Joss Briggs. I saw the the Manic match last, um, the previous couple weeks, and then now the the Mance Warner. Match. I just don't like Nick Gage matches. Okay. I don't like what I don't like his, what he's about. Now he's super, he's super over with the crowd. The crowd loves him. Like he does a mosh pit in his entrance. Like he's very infectious with his personality. Uh huh. It's just his his matches I can't get into. Uh huh. Yeah. So, bummer. But he, well, he it, it takes it to the extreme. That probably if it didn't get that far, you would enjoy it. It would be enjoyable. But it ta- it starts getting 
over the top and that's where you're like eh not, not he does not a lot of things that. that just make me uncomfortable uh-huh like if this was the 90s the late 90s uh-huh. i would definitely be more into it because it was well, just would, when what what makes well that it was different? it was well it was the time right you know i want to see some blood i want to see some guys just like get their head cracked in and smashed and now that i i just think i just think that type of wrestling are you getting evolved. older Yes, I'm getting I'm getting older. I'm not a 13 year old like hopped up on adrenaline well, and Mountain Dew all, right, all day anymore. Me, well, then let me ask you this: So, what age is the crowd that is going to this? Because they then it's they like have to age. be. Well, you have to be 18 at least. Okay, okay so well, no, you. He, I mean, you can be younger there, and they swear, but the the crowd is maj- the majority is my age. I would say. Uh, well, I would say probably they're younger. I would probably gauge that that crowd is probably between 21 and 27. Maybe. You might Maybe. be onto something with that. We'd yeah. have to run a poll of, yeah. of the average age. I'm, but, um... I'm thinking that that would probably be the age for that because, number one, it's affordable. It's very affordable, yeah. Ten it's ten dollar affor- tickets. I bought a season right. ticket, it's so they're seven dollars for me. Affordable, and um, and the older crowds go to the bigger venues, and that would be the more expensive, and you won't find that age as prevalent. Mm. So think about that. And so he's drawing on the young people and that's why you're that's why they're getting all into it and you're not. Well, even the like ECW era stuff. Uh-huh. Uh like a lot of the matches they did back then and and light tubes and stuff. I'm not into that. No. So that's also just not my taste. Yeah. Yeah. But you you definitely might be on to something with there. Yeah. I, I, I won't deny that. That's for sure. Okay. Well, just a thought. Just thinking about that. Yeah. Um, because usually uh, your younger crowds are more attracted to um, that type of energy, mm. I guess. So. The old, the ultraviolence. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of ultraviolence and blood, we got MLW to talk about now. Let me. Play this music. Yeah, that was the song of MLW. Mom, we got a lot of MLW to talk about. We got 80, we got 81, and then Saturday Night Super Fight. Saturday Night Super Fight. I'm so proud that you watched Saturday Night Super Fight. Yeah, that was... uh... I was really looking forward to it. I, I, you know, we'll we'll get to that, right? Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we got first um, episode eighty one, Jimmy Havoc's slaughterhouse. Yeah, right. <laughs> the whole episode was presented by Jimmy Havoc's mind. He was the man in charge this time. So they've done mm-hmm. they've done this before, where they have a a a person like in charge of the show for a night. Uh, uh-huh, mostly with uh-huh. Selena de la Renta. It's like, uh-huh. um, yeah, 
Promociones Dorado presents MLW for the night or something like that. This was Jimmy Havoc's night. Right. <clears throat> and this is what we got. So what did we get, Mother? With Damien Savio Vega, the evil trio. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, I kind of... <laughs> I'm not understanding the the Damien Savio Vega with Havoc. Uh, it was just, um, I thought it was kind of funny when the ref uh, actually was helping set up the table and stuff. I found that pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never seen that before. Oh, let me help you with that. You're having trouble. <laughs> and the thumbtacks on Havoc, that was pretty fun. <laughs> This this was a, a hardcore match that didn't cross that line with me. No, I don't I don't think so. Well, uh, you know, uh, Havoc. He's just a he's just a weird guy. Licks his <laughs> lips a lot. He likes blood. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of scary. Uh, um, uh. Well, you cut right to the main event with that episode. Did I? Yeah. Ah. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. Well, you know. <laughs> well, they did a lot of building. They did a lot of building for Super Fight. Uh, they announced um, the DQ, DQ, no DQ heavyweight match. The heavyweight match is going to be now no DQ. Um, they officially announced Teddy Hart versus Aries, Hammerstone versus Davey Boy Smith Jr., Thatcher and Lawler are official. Injustice uh, versus Gringo Loco, Septimo Dragon, and Puma King. Uh, the tag team titles are now going to be Texas Tornadoes. That means uh, you don't have to tag. Everyone's just in the ring. And then right. um, Mance Warner and Jimmy Havoc are doing a Stairway to Hell match at Superfight. So they did a lot of building for those. Uh, Io De La Park faced Joseph Samael. That was something I was kind of interested in because... Of the whole build they did uh, the previous week with Zelina De La Renta and Samael, you know, hyping mm-hmm. up their their big their big uh, big men for the title match, mm-hmm. but before that they're gonna have like their own little faction warfare in a big street fight match. So um, the match was okay. It was it was all about Samael just beating the shit out of De La Park, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, and then all the dudes jumping him in the match, and Zelina's on the phone at the end. She's like, "Get the f- get these fucking guys!" <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, that ended up going to no contest. So I thought that did its purpose well. Uh, I didn't like a lot of the promos on this. I thought they were kind of bland, like Pillman yeah. uh, talking about his match. That that wasn't really doing it, doing anything with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was just. Like the Von Erichs in Hawaii, like I do not care when they talk. They're just there's mom. They're hey, I'm uh, I'm Marshall Von Erich. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'll fight this dude on Saturday. It's gonna be Texas Tornado match because we're you know even though we're from Hawaii, our dad's from Texas. So that's just that's their cadence the whole time. They're really boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Um. <laughs> So, anything involving the dudes from the crash is always entertaining. 
That's the Mexican promotion that they were with. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, episode 81. We'll just go into that one then. Works for me. What do you got for that one? Uh, let's see. So, I think... This is the last one in Tijuana. Yeah, thank God. I liked, I liked, um... The Tijuana shows, they uh, they had uh, a good, good vibe to them. A, they do have a good following. Um, I'm not... I don't like the masks. And the reason I don't like the masks, because it's like having a chest protector on. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, because you can't do... Um, you know, you can't really do, uh, like grab their eyes or. Well, that's illegal in the first place. Oh, you can't be be gouging their eyes out, mother. That's crazy. (laughs) You can still poke them in the eyes. You just poke them through the mask. But the mask is in the way. Well, good. You shouldn't be getting poked in the eyes anyways. It's against the rules. I just don't like the mask. I just think it, it's uh, every all, all the all the uh, people from Mexico, all the fighters from Mexico wear the mask, and you know, freaking L.A. Park is, he's like, uh, what do you call that? Like a, <laughs> like a beetle. With his with the, all the protection around him, you know, he's yeah, not he's just in a bodysuit. Yeah, but he's not exposed. I don't. I don't think you want to see uh, his fifty-plus-year-old body exposed to the masses. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he's still wrestling. Honestly. Well, I mean, we'll talk about his match at Superfight. Well, yeah, you totally know why. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Well, the, the first match was um, DBS and Brian Pillman Jr. against Dragon Lee and Extreme Tiger. I love this match. It was lots of fun. The crowd was hot for it. Um, big Lucha match. It was awesome. Davey Boy Smith. Yeah. And Ronnie. Ronnie. Oh. Ronnie Pillman. Pillman Jr. Yeah. His first name's Ronnie. No, it's not. It's Brian. Oh, well, how do I get Ronnie? I don't know how you got Ronnie. <laughs> well, you know who I meant. Mm. <laughs> Must be all the bug bites I got from my trip. Ah, uh, maybe. It's affecting my brain. <laughs> I don't know what kind of bugs got me. Mm. <laughs> well, no surprise, Extreme Tiger got pinned by Davy Boy Smith Jr., because Smith is going into the title match. Dragon Lee's a big star. You don't want to pin him. And Extreme Tiger's the odd man out. So I was fine with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, Zelina De La Renta is puffing a big cigar in the back with, like, all black in the background. She's just she's just blowing smoke and just just saying they're, they're global dealers in violence. Sarcastic laughs. Like, <laughs> Whatever is oh it's she's more she she's better than a cartel. (laughs) Well, that's she looked like a cartel boss, just like I got my I got my man coming. (sighs) You guys don't have a chance. 
It's fucking war. <laughs> right. Uh, it's great to be as awesome as me. Like, I, I love it. I love her. Everything she does. When she comes on the screen, I'm like, I have to pay attention to everything. <laughs> yeah, she's got a great persona about her. Yeah. Uh, well, she what, speaks like it, four languages. She's only like oh, 23. Wow. She's, um, wow. yeah. I mean, she ends the whole, the, the, the whole, uh, like promo. She ends it in Spanish, which I always like that, that, uh-huh. that, that, um, just that detail where she yeah. switches between the two languages. Cause she, yeah. a lot of the dudes she manages are, uh, from Mexico. So she needs right. to speak Spanish. And then she also right. has some dudes from, that that require english but you know she closes after she after the spanish she closes with uh the whole line um translated respect the godmother or face your death so the cigar and everything i'm like oh i fucking love it oh it's so good (laughs) and then la park cuts a promo it's all in spanish uh about and they have subtitles too uh where because yeah, gonna be- kick his. He's gonna suck the face off and all that. He's gonna break his fucking face because he, uh, because uh, contra unit uh, attacked his son, his son on yeah. chapter eighty or chapter eighty. What is this progress? Episode eighty. <laughs> the bug get to you too. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so we had um. We had some more promos. Nothing, nothing worth talking about there. We had another. Uh, we had a tag team match of the Crash. A uh, bunch of, I, <laughs> there are a bunch of like older dudes with not nice bodies, as uh-huh. the crowd cheered Dad Bod at one point in the match, which I thought was really fun. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I yeah, didn't you didn't hear catch that. that? Yeah, uh-uh. I was like, a couple of these guys look like they're in <laughs> shape that's worse than. Then dad at 71. <laughs> I was like, that's ah, a dad bod. And then the crowd shortly started chanting that. I'm like, yeah, okay, they get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did you think of the brawl between Contra Unit and Promociones Dorado? Because it was big, like, six-man tag match, but it just it was just, let's all go out there and beat the hell out of each other. Right. Uh- I'm not I'm I'm not a fan of country in it, so But or, your boy Fatu's in it. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't in that one. No, he wasn't in this match, no. No. I mean okay, so they come out, they're doing their thing, and I'm like, Oh well this is this is a no brainer. We already mm-hmm. know who's gonna win on this. Uh, you know, it, it Well who did, who it, did you know was gonna win? Country in it. Oh, it's obvious. It was obvious. But they didn't win. Oh, L.A. Park obvious. speared Samael to win. Wow. Ah, not so obvious, was it? <laughs> no, it was obvious. <laughs> yeah, the, t- the, the, the representatives uh, contra unit was Samael, Gotch, and Ikuro Kwan against Promociones Dorado. So when uh, Io De La Park was getting the shit kicked out of him last week, she was on the phone. She was calling in. She was calling in uh, Mecha Wolf and Bestia Say Say Says from uh, to 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 join Promociones Dorado with L.A. Park to take care of business, lead the troops, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. to to take care of Contra Unit before the super fight, and that's basically what happened. They had a big brawl. L.A. Park does 
like crazy dives at 50 plus years old, which is nuts. Uh, kind of a hint of what he's going to bring to the super fight. Uh, right. Yeah. Mecha Wolf does big 450. Uh, Quan spits red mist in his face upon that. That was awesome. I was like a good mist misting. Yeah. And then lit the guy on fire. Samael lit lights bestie on fire. <laughs> so everyone's just getting taken out before the super fight. So right. the way I took this is like everyone's fucking destroyed. So they can't interfere in the main right. event. So I was like, yes, every, I, I thought it did a job. I was, I was, uh, yeah. that was a good go home segment. Yeah. For the super yeah. fight. Yeah. And then we got the super fight. And then we got the super fight. Got to the super fight. Uh, so the Von Erichs beat the Dynasty in the tag title match. Nothing more to say there. Uh, no, in- Al, I do have something to say oh. there because um, I never, I can't believe it, but uh, if you watch it again, ever, mm-hmm. there was no bell that rang. Absolutely. I really? don't, I did not hear a bell ring. Because they came out and and I'm like, they're they're fighting and there was no bell that rang. I did not hear a bell ring. I well, could maybe be they'll wrong. Uh, maybe they'll play into that. Maybe the dynasty will be like the bell. The match technically never started, and they'll use that to get to get their try to get their titles back. That's exactly what I was thinking because technically, if that's indeed true, right. So either I missed it. Or, or it did, ha- you know, it did ring because mm-hmm. I was, um, I was just, I made it a point to write it down because I'm like, I didn't hear any bell ring that whole time. And I can't believe they were, they won that match. Uh, I can, I can, I can believe it. You gotta, you gotta get these, these, uh, monotone marshals or you got to get the monotone von erics you got to give him something uh ever ever since well i'm sure uh, that you know holiday is gonna call his dad slash lawyer (laughs) dad slash lawyer lawyer right why do you keep saying that just say your dad it's weird or your lawyer no you gotta be you gotta be it's his dad slash lawyer every time right you're all consumers i love it holiday is a tool it's great very, uh, he's very simple. Oh, um, and he had his, um, what is it, Louis Vuitton earbuds? Yeah. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> You're never without your earbuds. I never see you without your earbuds on. It's so, it's so irritating. Why you got, oh, hold on, I got to put my earbuds in. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, what were you saying? It's like, oh, right. <laughs> I don't even know how he can hear with those in there. What's well, like people at, people at work there you know there's machines and everything going off and they're talking to me and they're looking like down at the floor or they're mumbling and I'm just like I'm sorry one more time can you please say it again <laughs> like all the time anyways yeah. that's getting off track what did you think of the show like as a whole I thought it was entertaining I liked it I I liked it better than the Tijuana Mexico show well, as the point is, the pay-per-view, you were supposed to pay money for this. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah, but it was entertaining. It was good. It was worth the money. Right? And totally worth the money. <laughs> totally worth the money. Um, but it was very concerned. What was concerning to me is there was no mat 
around the outside of the ring. Ah, uh, no place to no, no place to fall onto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no protection. It was really scary. I didn't like that they didn't have any protection on that floor, and they were on a basketball court. You know, when they threw people out and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I just. Ow. Hurts watching it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just get those, get those cheap blue wrestling mats and yeah, you know, yoga, mats, anything, yoga mats, you know? anything, anything, anything. Yeah, the knees just got. Yes, uh, yeah, some protection of some kind. Yeah, is that really? I, I, I was incredibly entertained as well. Every match was unique to the one before it, right? Yeah. Everything yeah. felt everything felt fresh. I was never oh. bored. Now, was right. it like? the best wrestling I've seen all year? No. But it, it was a card put together uh, to keep me entertained, and the main event delivered. Yeah. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised, and you know how I feel about injustice, but <laughs> in this case, I was glad that they won because they actually showed talent this time they actually showed that they had some wrestling skills because i felt that before they were they were like new and they you know they're just kind of are yeah yeah and so i think there it was i was happy to see them developing into a a good team they turned that that was uh i was happy to see that and um, Jordan Oliver actually uh, showed more action than I've seen him in the past, as How did um, uh, Myron and Cota Brazil. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, him. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy that which one? I think it's my. Is it Myron that wears that stupid thing on his chest? Yes. Like a freaking turtle, his turtle, <laughs> his turtle chest protector. <laughs> this is stupid. It's 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 stupid now. Well, that's it, I think that's the point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's gotten stupid. Uh, and um, if he would lose that, and actually um, show more skill and build up uh his talent i think that the team itself could do very could do mm. well but i was i was happy they won because i was t- tired of seeing losers ah <laughs> they're you know they, cuz they've always lost every match that i've seen them i haven't seen them one no, they've once cheated. Until... no they've cheated the win Oh, a well, lot, a lot of the no, time. I'm talking about without cheating because I know they were passing something around and the the uh, announcer was saying something, but they didn't ever show it. Mm. Um, so whatever it was that they were passing around, they did not use it. Okay. So that was then. So they won fairly as far as I think they did. Oh, fair enough, then. I like yeah. I like your assessment. I will say no more. Okay. Um, like the the only one I really want to talk about. Well, I mean Tom Lawler Thatcher. I just want to mention that I really liked 
it's kind of it's kind of a shoot fight. It felt like it was a real a real fight. Like they were trying to get each other down to the mat and and pin each other. I really like. Yeah, that, that was a good match. That really was. I was I was surprised that Thatcher tapped out. Yeah, I was I was surprised. Well, but Tom Lawler is the ex champion, and if they don't have any plans for Thatcher currently, and they maybe they want Lawler to stay at the top, then yeah, I think is the right decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the stairway to hell three way ladder match? It's Warner, Bestia, say say say, and Havoc. I liked it. Um... It was bloody. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, I didn't want them to get the the wire. <laughs> <laughs> Razor wire came back. Yeah. yeah, I hate that. You know, I just because they're nasty. Havoc is nasty, and then and then you know he's wiping the blood off the guy's face and and putting it on his face and tongue and <laughs> gross. That's so gross. (laughs) It's like an English vampire. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... uh, He's... That's all I have to say. Yeah. Well, Mance Warner wins... Every time I see him. Well, Mance Warner wins, and then Havoc jumps him after the match and, like, kills him. So that's gonna... basically. It's gonna continue from there. I think we're getting another match on the next mm-hmm, MLW mm-hmm. show. Uh, mm-hmm. We got, let's see here, Teddy Hart retained the middleweight title. Um, Hammerstone retained the open, the national openweight title against Davy Boy Smith. Uh, just regular singles matches. I was kind of shocked Aries did not win against Teddy Hart, personally. Uh, <clears throat> so I don't know what the, the plan for Aries is from here. And then we yeah, had but our... Alexander was a cheater on the rope. Hammer, Hammerstone get, did, yeah, Hammerstone did get the, the, the cheat victory um, yep. because the, di- totally. the, dy- the Dynasty Bros helped him out. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Um, and then we had our world heavyweight title, no disqualification match. Jacob Fatu, the champion, going up against L.A. Park, the destroyer, in a battle of the undefeated, accompanied by Zelina De La Renta. And uh, I... Love this match. I I wanted to see a fight. This is what it's been built for. Uh, I didn't want to see chain wrestling. I wanted to see them beat the hell out of each other. This was faction warfare with the two big guns of the factions fighting against each other for the title. Uh, Love the finish where L.A. Park accidentally spears Zelina De La Renta through a table. Right. To take her out. She's like dead. And I was like, no, Zelina. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew as soon as she was down, it's like, oh, Fatu is going to kill him now. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. L.A. Right. Park was pulling out moves at 50 plus years old. That I swear he's, you wouldn't guess he's older than 22. He was mm. doing crazy uh, cone helos and flip dives off the turnbuckle and over the top. He was nuts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fatu looked like a total star, so that's my that's my take. Fatu uh, retained. He beat the Destroyer. I was kind of hoping L.A. Park would win and they'd have another match, but hey. I, I had to rewatch the part where um, 
the fire got on the ref. Oh yeah, the ref got fireballed and by <laughs> Samuel. That's right. I, I totally re- forgot I about re-watch that. Watch that. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, this was this was just a <laughs> wild match. Good. Yeah. yeah Samuel was the manager of Fatu when he came out. So each 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 heel had their representative to try to to mess with the other and usually this dynamic doesn't work in wrestling, but mm-hmm. because LA park is so loved by the fans. Cause he's a legend at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone hates contra units so much. Cause all they do is cause mayhem, uh, like the NWO in the WCW era. Uh-huh. Yeah, everyone was all about LA park. Like the crowd was cheering for him. So it ended up working for the best. The heels won, uh, wild stuff. Like almost immediate. It was like two minutes in, I think it was Samuel gets in the ring off a distraction mm-hmm. and takes a spike to LA Park, rips the mask off, ba- off him completely, basically, and spikes him in the forehead. And Park's just bleeding buckets for the rest of the match. And eventually, Fatu is also gets bloody, bloodied up pretty bad as well. So it was a uh, yeah. Uh, so I didn't. I guess bath. I. I guess I missed that. I missed uh, the mask being almost ripped off. I missed that because I was wondering how he got all bloody and I was, I was trying to re um, rewind and I just couldn't catch where that happened. Rewind. Are you watching on your VCR? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old school. I taped it on my VCR and then I rewind, <laughs> rewound it. I listened to the uh, vinyl record. So yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> I got the audio hooked up, hooked up to my, uh, my, uh, what a, what a, I was going to say sonogram, but that's not right. <laughs> no, no. That's, that's not right at all. I miss yeah. my tape decks, actually, because I had some good music on my tape. <laughs> no beta track for you? No. Oh, I had some good tapes back in the day. Oh. You know you're getting old when you say back in the day. Sure, sure. Yeah. So but your yeah, boy that, fought too ultimately, one. yeah. That too. That too. All right. <laughs> anything else to anything else to should, say? I think he should wear a tutu for fat two. Oh. Well, the <laughs> Halloween show has already passed, so I it's never over for him. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to say over Saturday night super fight? No. That was okay. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Alright, let me uh play the Kenny Omega music and we can get to AEW. Here we go. All right, mother, we're getting we're inching closer to AEW full gear. We got uh, episodes. What are we at here? Four and five, October 23rd from Pittsburgh and October 30th from Charleston, West Virginia. Okay. And then we have the go home show and it's, and then we're off to full gear in Baltimore, which I am going to upon recording tomorrow morning. First thing. Very excited for that. That's so cool. My own personal little trip that I'm taking. So you took your vacation. This is technically not a vacation, but. I'm I'm just doing a, a trip. I'm going through with it. Yeah. So you got good seats cuz I know they they made an announcement that they were running out of uh 
tickets. Oh yeah, I bought them as soon as they came out. They were like thirty bucks, and I got a okay. I got a nice little okay. mid tier seat, so I'll be able to. Nice. I'm not on the floor this time. I learned uh-huh. my lesson. I'm not about to stand for a whole event again uh, and not be able to see most of it. Yeah. <clears throat> so not doing that. So I'm gonna be up a little bit more. You know, I won't be as close, but that's okay. I think I, I think I prefer being a little bit farther away for events yeah. like this. I'm sure. So we got we start out with Private Party versus the Lucha Brothers in the tag team championship tournament round two. Shocking, shocking win. Oh, shocking! Lucha Brothers win. <laughs> I, I know, shocking win. Why is it I, shocking win? I was shocked. I was because Private Party was really show. It was a lot of athleticism, and it was a good, good uh, match. And I really thought that Private Party was going to win that match. So when Lucha Brothers mm. came back and won, I was really shocked. I was a shocking win. I didn't think it was that shocking. Uh, I thought the Lucha Brothers were primed for the finals uh, right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the one of the best tag teams in the world. Private, although I thought the Young Bucks were, and Private Party upset him. But could they do it a second time? They, alas, could not. Uh, what what stood out to me the most was this went on just this was nonstop adrenaline action the entire time. Yeah, that's and, why I say it was amazing athleticism. And how, how uh, I saw it, it just shows the cardio level of the Lucha Brothers because they didn't mm-hmm. slow down a single bit. And then as the match okay. went on, Private Party was like. They were like, oh, my God, we got to keep going. They were getting slower and slower, and they were still pulling out their moves, uh-huh. but they were they were visibly just like, okay, let me take a breath here. <laughs> right. So, but the Luger Brothers win, they move on, followed immediately by SoCal Uncensored versus The Dark Order, which I don't think you've seen yet. No, and I was... So what Quite... did you think of The Dark Order? I was... I was, uh, they were very entertaining and, uh, I like the minions. <laughs> you like the minions? I also love the minions. They're, they're ridiculous. Good to be crawling around a floor like that. I mean, they, they, they really have it, uh, choreographed very well. It's a, it's a good little. Now, what I need to ask you, does that guy really have a tattoo on his face or is that, inked on or whatever no that's that's just inked on you're talking about Stu okay. grayson's like lines yeah. on his face yeah yeah he just paints them on okay thank yeah, god because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because it never smeared off oh yeah you're used to sting like losing all of his face paint in a match yeah, <laughs> yeah. it never came off and i'm like oh my god is that thing uh like tattooed on his face and stripes what the heck? <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was a good match. And... Well, in the middle of it, Chris Jericho mm-hmm. comes out with with the uh, the inner circle in tow. Right. Uh, Sammy Guevara and LAX. Totally are, uh... distracts everybody. Everybody in the audience. I'm watching the audience and nobody's watching the match. <laughs> yeah. So they, they roll down. They have a private box. 
but they don't go like straight to the private box. They got to go on the floor, right, make sure everyone's drama. noticing them. Mm-hmm. Then they got to walk up all the stairs. It's like, we're the inner circle. Pay attention to us. Uh-huh. And then, then it's then the camera's like cutting back and forth to Jericho and the inner circle. They they got a little bit of the bubbly. They're eating popcorn, right. and there's Chris right. Jericho going, "Come on, Dark Order!" <laughs> <laughs> Throwing popcorn at people. Yeah, it's it's like, oh, SCU's getting getting the thing. Ah, oh, boo! <laughs> so they're booing them, and right. eventually the crowd finally got back to the match, and uh, SCU ends up winning. Uh, so they're going against the Lucha Bros in the finals of the tag team title tournament, harping back to week one, uh, where they had their little standoff on the ramp, right? Uh-huh. And the Lucha Bros came out and they had a fight. They had a tussle. Uh-huh. So there's your storytelling there. Uh, yeah. Okay. I like I the Dark Order too. I think people are slowly getting into him. I love the minions. They're ridiculous. The like when he sits on them and uses them uh, as a throne. Oh yeah. It's awesome. You know, they got it. I like I their need, shit. I need people like that. <laughs> you need your minions at work. <laughs> I need my minions. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should have minions. <laughs> Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. They're in a head to head match singles match this time, following up their amazing AEW dark match. That was the hardcore one. Uh, Kenny Omega kills him with a couple V-triggers. One-winged Angel picks up the win. I like this match. It was good. It was a good match. I have it as a great match. Lots of action. Mm-hmm. Kept me, kept me glued to the computer screen, one might say. So, what I've been doing... Well, yeah, and that was the AEW dark match. Yeah. So, what mm-hmm. I've been doing, because uh, I go bowling on Wednesdays, I get them to turn on one of the TVs to AEW, whatever like lane I'm on. Right? Oh, cool! So I've been getting them to do that at eight o'clock every Wednesday. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This past week, I wasn't able to do that they, because the um. Uh no, two weeks ago I wasn't able to do that because of the World <laughs> Series, so everyone had to watch that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I was like, dude, it's one TV. Like, come on. World Series is on every other TV. <laughs> they right. wouldn't do it. So I pull. I have to pull it up on my phone, find, like, a, a stream, and do uh-huh. it that way. And then gotcha. last week, I think it was, like, the Bruins were playing or something. Oh, and so there's, there's there's just no way I can no. get the channel to be changed uh, sometimes. But I was able for this one, so it was on the, the bigger TV. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, then we get... The Cody promo. He right. comes out. He says he's got a he's got a big announcement, and there's Jericho in the inner circle in the private box. They got air horn like soccer horns. Yeah, yeah. They're saying they're boo. Cody can't get a word out. He's trying to be professional with Tony Schiavone, right? Yeah. Eh, eh, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Cody looks around, and he's like, this isn't like that other company we used to work at. Reference to WWE, mother. Uh-huh. If you, uh, if you got that. Did you get that? Uh-huh, I got that. Okay. Uh, this isn't, there isn't an invisible wall. I can come up there and kick your ass right now. Uh-huh. And Jericho, being the dick go that he ahead. is. Go ahead. He's like, go ahead, do it. <laughs> there's only one that of you. There's, there's four of that. us. <laughs> and then one, one by one, one by one. 
yeah. of Cody's friends comes out. It's like MJF and Jericho goes, who wears a scarf? That's stupid. <laughs> and everyone laughs because his is one of his characters in WWE wore a scarf, so he was kind of a jab at himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I don't think you got that one. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh, Dustin Rhodes comes out. He's ah, it's still four on three. We got the advantage, you losers. You're gonna get the shit kicked out of you. Then Diamond Dallas Page comes out. It's four on four. They all start walking up the stairs, and the and then Jericho goes, "All right, guys, let's get out of here." They go they go into a room in the private box, lock the door, and they're just like, "Ah ha ha ha!" Right. <laughs> Cody gets the Cody gets handed MJF's scarf, puts it around his hand, and punches the glass out, and it's on. They're fighting. They 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 fight into the uh, the hallway Dip of the <laughs> of the arena. Cody Cody. Sh- as as yeah, as they're as they're brawling, Jericho steals a crutch from a dude, which I thought was really funny. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> and Cody takes him over to the Dippin' Dots and shoves his head into it. You get JR going, not the Dippin' Dots. <laughs> security finally comes in, the the uh, the arena security after minutes of the brawl. So they weren't there like right away, like it's like it's uh like it's a stage act. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it took a little absolutely. bit of time for security yeah. to break him up. Uh, so then security, the, security. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, the good guys win the fair fights. They're getting taken away, and there's Jericho on his knees, crying, holding his ticket up. I had a ticket. What are they doing? Ah! <laughs> right. <laughs> Loved it. I. Mom, this is why what? I watch wrestling. It's things like that. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> so good and over the top what were you jericho is a real dick well yeah he's such a jerk (laughs) good he's really turned into a jerk (laughs) i don't understand he's the one who should have minions ah well he's got the inner circle yeah whatever he's got the young guns around him Uh uh-huh right Best friends versus Young Bucks. Young Bucks get a good win. Orange Cassidy did his shtick in the ring at one point uh, to, before the match started. What did you think of Young Bucks versus Best Friends? And what did you think of Orange Cassidy as he's kicking the Young Bucks really soft and then they boot him in the face? I I was surprised that uh, the Young Bucks won, actually. It was a good match, but that's another one that I was surprised that they won. Okay, so the the young bucks are the some of the, a couple of the dudes that started this whole thing, and they're among the best tag teams in the world. If they're at this point with you that you think they're gonna lose, that can't be a good thing, right? Right. Because <clears throat> I know their history and everything, and I just expect them to win these important matches and whatnot and against the best friends. I know their little history of them, but you don't. So what is it about the young bucks that you thought they were going to lose this? I, I don't I just, uh, I just felt that best friends uh, had more moves. They just seemed stronger and they, uh, well, I know, I know your love for Trent Beretta. Yeah. He's cute. (laughs) (laughs) He's my man. Headband, hairy chest, good yeah, abs. I see nice. the appeal. Yeah, yeah. 
I just I just thought that um, they had uh, better moves, and so it it just surprised me that the Young Bucks won. I didn't see the strength that I did it with best friends. Oh. And this match. Okay. In this particular match. Okay. Right. All right. right. Well, I think that's fair. That good. just, I, if anything, that, that the Young Bucks made them look really good. <clears throat> or the best yeah, friends lived up, yeah. lived up to the go. level, right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jamie Hayter, British girl, <laughs> facing off against hometown girl. Britt Baker, she's in Britsburg. Right. This was this was like her big moment. Jamie right. Hader is a uh, British girl I've been watching. She's she wrestles in Japan quite a lot for a promotion called Stardom. Okay. Uh, young young girl on the up and up. She's she's quite good. What did you think of this match? There was no match. There was no was, match. You weren't nah. you weren't into it. No, no match. Duh. Doctor wins. Okay. All right, then I'll I'll just say my thoughts. Go uh, ahead. I thought this was a good coming out party for Britt Baker. The home, the she's the hometown girl. Uh, they had a big prepackage of her, you know, talking about her, her, uh, you know, how much Pittsburgh means to her. Yeah. Uh, what the city is, her, her connection to it. She, she got her uh, dentist degree, her DMD in P- Pittsburgh. She comes out with the Pittsburgh Steelers mascot. Big pyro comes off. The crowd's chanting Pittsburgh. Yeah. They're into her. Yeah. So. Uh, despite Britt Baker being, you know, young and very inexperienced, she came off as a star here, and she really needed this after losing to Riho. Um, and Jamie Hader really did her part well. Uh, I was entertained for sure. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was a good show. Fair enough. Fair enough. It was. <laughs> but you know, me and me and uh, girls. Women's wrestling. Yeah, I get. Yeah. It. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So. But... Um. So uh, AEW, they're they're they have uh, they're getting one match, uh, one women's match a show right now. So it's it's slow it's slow on the uptake of getting the women's division across. But a lot of the at this point, a lot of the talent is still like finishing out contracts that they have with other companies. Okay. Uh, a lot don't live in the United States, so they have uh-huh. to go through the whole moving process. And okay. so uh, I'm okay with how they're slowly building the women up. Uh, uh-huh. and who they're, who they're pushing, like they're not rushing into anything. You know, the, the last thing you want to do is hot shot stuff and not tell a story and, yeah. uh, or a badly told story on top of that, push people into matches that they maybe not belong in. So they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to get people to shine, uh, in singles matches to show, yes, they can wrestle, uh, get over who they need to. And there you go. <clears throat> Uh, main event: John Moxley versus Pack. I was, yeah that that lasted a while. Good lord, and uh, how it ended it was surprising. I didn't, I didn't think that that was right. That was how long was that? Six minutes. No. What the match itself? Yeah. So the match was uh, t- twelve minutes. So 12 they minutes. okay. Bef- so usually matches have a ten or fifteen minute time limit, right? Depending yeah. on maybe a twenty or thirty, but you know, for TV or regular singles matches, <clears throat> for women's matches they usually put about ten. Um, for men's it's at fifteen. 
okay. it's more of an endurance factor and how long you can uh, keep the crowd into your match kind of situation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so with styles and everything these days, um, it's it's better that women's matches go a little bit shorter than the guys, uh, just from the athletic and keeping the crowd standpoint, right? Okay. Like I get it, and I'm I like it's no problem, right? So they announced before the match that they have TV time left, right? Mm-hmm. So there's only 12 minutes of TV time left, uh, technically. So they go to a 12 minute draw as they have a great match, very much into it. Uh, I do like the draw finish. Um, I'm sure the crowd didn't like it. <laughs> right. Nobody likes to see a tie, right? Right. But I think, it, I, you know, there are circumstances where, you know, let's say you're at a football game, soccer game, if you will, and your team's losing the entire time. Then at the last second, they get that tie goal. So you come away with a tie instead of a loss. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a win in your head. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't want to see Pack lose, and I didn't want to see Moxley lose. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to see either guy lose. So when it goes to a draw and it was close, and I want to see these guys get pushed to the top, like be at the top. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Fair and enough. And it leads and it leads to a possibly better match later that they can play off this one. Go, ah, you didn't you didn't beat me. It's like you only tie. We only tied. We need to finish this off next time. It gets you more excited for the the second time. Yeah. Now you want yeah. to see someone win. Yeah. Fair yep. enough. Yep. So your boy Pack, Mister Mister uh, Slimy, I think yeah. as you said in the last episode, he's slimy. Uh, yeah. Did you like him this time? Did you like him a little bit more, or is he still? Nasty no, like Havoc. No, he's still icky. He's still icky? Yeah. What do you think of the style of the wrestling that you saw? Is it entertaining? Is it boring? Did you not like the... Did you think the uh, the draw was stupid? It was fair. No, after you saw it, it's fair. Well, what was your initial thought? My initial thought was I wanted a finish. Okay, why? Because it needs to be finished. Okay. Who did you think should have won then? Moxley. And why him in particular? Because you don't like Pac? Well, it could be. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, honestly, they were were even matched. And um, I think that if they had the time, I think Moxley would have won. Okay. You know, it's very possible. So, um, Moxley complains that there's a draw. He's all pissed off, as he should be, you know, because he felt like he almost beat him. Uh, he's frustrated. He DDTs the ref. DDTs, uh, I think he DDTed Pack again. And he's, and he's all, he's all pissed off. Uh, and then Pack attacks him from behind with a chair. All, of all people that come out, uh, this was... After the this was after the show went off the air, so I don't know if you saw this. Okay. Uh, but they did replay it, I believe, on the next week's Dynamite, and they also replayed it on YouTube, on AEW's YouTube channel. Okay. So it might be good, like once or twice a week, to kind of check in on that YouTube channel, Mom. Okay. Just to kind of see if anything happened or there's an uh-huh. interview or something, you know. Okay. 
Uh, I personally don't agree that a fan should have to go out of their way for extra stuff in case they miss might miss something. Right. You know, yeah. I want to. I, I want that dynamite to be the. I want the TV show to be the, the one and done place to see everything to get the whole story. Right. Well, you can't shop at the same store for everything now either. Well, I mean, I need Walmart to be uh, AEW Dynamite, okay? Like, if you want to put things out earlier on your other stuff, and so the hardcore fans get it first, that's fine. But, you know, what if I don't have time or I forget about it during the week, and then something happens on next week on Dynamite, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Or You know, right. why what didn't did I miss something? Did I miss something? You know, you know, yeah. fill me in on on a possible gap, right? That's yeah. what dynamite should be. So, yeah. uh, Omega saves him. Uh, they chase off Pack. Then your boy Hangman Page comes up and he goes, uh, "We have unfinished business. I challenge you to match at full year." Basically, that's what happened. And then we get on to the next week's show. Because uh, they were meant to have a uh, match at All Out. No, double or nothing, but um, circumstances arose and the match didn't happen. So now it's going to happen at full gear. Uh. So October 30th, <clears throat> uh, episode in Charleston, West Virginia, episode five. We begin with Tony Schiavone standing outside next to a plane. Uh, he's talking about the, the contract signing that's going to happen with Cody and Jericho. So then Dusty and Cody come out of the plane. They hug each other. Cody and Shivani enter a limo. Now, this is actually a callback to like a Starcade event between, I think it was Ric Flair and Mean Gene Okerlund, mm-hmm. I think, where they're in a limo and they're talking, and uh, like it's a it's a big it's a big journey to the big title match kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what this was a callback to the past. We get a video. This is where the video package came in with uh, the Moxley Pack Omega Hangman thing. So they did show it, and then it goes to the back where Moxley goes into Tony Khan's office, the technical owner of AEW. He's the son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars in AEW. Oh, okay. Uh, in case you were wondering who Tony Khan is exactly, I am. Uh, you don't see Tony Khan. You just hear the words in the room. Moxley's uh-huh. all pissed off. Right. Tony Khan's like, ah, we can't sanction this match. And it won't count against your win-loss record, Moxley. And he's all pissed off. He's like, what? What do you mean it's unsanctioned? That's bullshit. You want to protect your boy, Kenny Omega. Right? So he's all... Well, it's bullshit to have have a match and it's not sanctioned. What's the point of that? Why even bother having a match? Well, they go, it's too dangerous. And AEW can't be uh, held accountable. What's dangerous? The hardcore stuff, the the barbed wire uh, bats and uh, brooms that they're bringing in, and they're uh-huh. like, ah, oh. they they've deemed it too dangerous, mom. Okay, just gonna have to live with that. <laughs> huh. Okay. So Moxley's mad. You're mad. We start the with the first match of the night. It's Hangman Adam Page versus Sammy Guevara, your Go favorite Guevara. guy from last time yeah. against the boy from Katy, Texas. Yeah. Part of the inner circle. And and what do I have? So glad he won. <laughs> yeah. Your boy Hangman wins match. off the buckshot lariat, not his finisher. So I like uh yeah. I always like a match where another move wins a match. 
Uh-huh. Not just the same one every time, you know? It was very choreographed, though. It was good. Wow. It was a good match. A lot of athletic moves that you got to pull off. Well, Sammy Guevara yeah. is really fun to watch. Yeah. I was so glad he won. I was, too. Um, Hangman gets on the gets on the mic. So you remember last episode, I was like, hey, I want to see them do something with Hangman, maybe get a promo or something. Well, here it uh-huh. is. Uh-huh. We got it. And he goes, uh, he goes, Pack, I'm going to... I'm going to take your head off and there's going to be some real cowboy shit at this pay-per-view coming up. <laughs> crowd in West Virginia goes crazy. They start shouting cowboy shit. <laughs> what was the cowboy shit? I don't know what cowboy shit is, but he's going to bring it at full oh, okay. year. Gotcha. And um, I believe he's from Kentucky or Virginia. Hangman Page. So he's kind of in his hometown. Okay. But yeah, he's... Gonna bring some real cowboy shit. And there's a t-shirt, mother, you'll be happy to hear, of Hangman Page, and it says, cowboy shit on it. <laughs> it's got, like, spurs for the eye. and That's funny. <laughs> well, I need a shirt like that. Yeah, I, was thinking, I was thinking you might just need one. Uh Shauna no, I just, versus. I just wanted to say cowboy shit. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> Donna. What's with uh, what's with that shirt here? It's like I brought it, so I'm gonna bring some cowboy shit to work. <laughs> they would love that in Texas. I'm in Cowtown. Hell yeah, giddy up. So we got our women's match of the night. It was Hikaru Shida from Japan, a woman I really love watching. She's extremely good against Shauna, whom a lot of people I'm sure do not know. But she's a veteran of Europe. She's from Portugal. Yep. And she she's kind of been a part of the women's wrestling scene in Europe uh, since it kind of started growing in 2010. She's living in France, I believe they said. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But she's originally from Portugal. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of... She doesn't have a lot of matches, she does a handful, like one a month, basically, every year since like 2010, basically. Uh-huh. You know? uh, not a huge workload, but uh-huh. she was here and I'm like, oh my God, I wonder what she's going to bring. And this was, I think, a quality match to, uh, again, see what the women have to show. And Sheeta gets the win, which I thought was good. And Shauna impressed. Uh, the crowd was got into the match. They weren't at first. There were some near falls that got really into. I really like the uh, push off the turnbuckle. Yeah. She does like hanging from there, and Shauna gets this big smile on her face, like I got her. Uh-huh. Does the big double stomp from the top and gets a near fall of her own. So uh, Sheeta doesn't get the pin off the first move, and then just immediately does the running knee strike and gets the victory. Well, in my opinion, Sheeta is way better than the belt holder currently. I like Sheeta more than Riho. I agree. Yeah. Unfortunately, Sheeta lost to Riho. Ah, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Not, okay. not, not. Now, if 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 <laughs> skinny shit. Oh, harsh words. Would, <laughs> would actually fight. You know, you're not. I was gonna invite you onto Team Riho. I was gonna give you a third chance. Now I just don't want to invite you on Team <laughs> Riho anymore. I don't think you're. I don't think you. You deserve it. 
This, I'm on Team these, Sheeta. These naughty, <laughs> these naughty swear words you're throwing at at Re, poor Riho. <laughs> you're on Team Sheeta. Yeah. Oh, you found yeah. a woman you like along with uh, Nyla. Yeah, Rose. I did. I I did like Sheeta. Um, I thought she was better than uh, Brett or whatever her name was. Britt uh, Baker. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. As well. I, I, I do. We are I we are of the like minds on Hikaru Shida's skill level. Yeah, for sure. Chris Van Van Vliet is on stage to introduce the Rock and Roll Express and the AEW tag titles. We can finally see them. Uh, they noted they bet all and Arn Anderson thirty three years ago in the same building, but then they get attacked by Santana and Ortiz. The proud and powerful attack them. They pick up Ricky Morton that was and horrible. throw him through the stage. Yeah, that was horrible. They beaten him with loaded socks. I can only assume we're filled with silver dollars. They beat these old <laughs> old timers up so bad. <laughs> Bruising their 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 uh, inner organs horribly. The the fiends they are, I say. How dare they? That that is exactly right. How dare they? <laughs> Young Bucks Assholes. eventually come out, came out and uh, shake, uh, chased him off. So, thank God for the Young Bucks. <laughs> came in a little late though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you gotta. Ah, you rap scallions, get out of here! <laughs> <laughs> gotta have a show. So the best friends are out. They're dressed in Rick and Morty outfits. I don't know if you know what Rick and Morty is, but it's a cartoon show that's really, really popular with the children these days. Yeah, I don't. I'll have to check into it. It was it was Halloween. The whole place was sponsored by Rick and Morty for the holiday. Uh, there were people were wearing Rick and Morty masks in the right. uh, in the in the audience. Which is cool. We had John Silver and Alex Reynolds. The Beaver Boys are back. The boys from Beyond Wrestling. That I get to see every Thursday night at Uncharted Territory, basically. Okay. They're t- they're tagging with QT Marshall to take on uh, Trent Beretta, Chuck Taylor, and Orange Cassidy in this match. It was goofy fun. It was goofy fun. With the <laughs> with them losing their wig and then they get their wig back on and <laughs> but my favorite is Orange Cassidy with his hands in his pocket and he was fighting. <laughs> That's great, was, right? Yeah, that was very entertaining. That whole match was very entertaining. <laughs> yep. Well, before the match started, we we see uh, Cody and Shivani in the limo again. They're talking. Um, Tony Shivani tells an old story about Dusty Rhodes and uh, how Dusty Rhodes is like naked in a bathroom or some shit, and um, talking about the stars come in. The stars come in late, you know, like the, the, um, what, what's the, what's the phrase? Uh, you should, you always show up to the party late. So everyone notices you kind of situation. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact phrase, but, <clears throat> um, so that's why they're, they're on the plane and they show up late to the building and they're talking and Tony just looks at Cody and goes, so glad to be here. <laughs> Says it like twice. <laughs> it's like, mom so glad to be here today with you (laughs) Uh 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 then it was time for the contract signing 
I want you to say your your words over this contract signing first. Tell me about it. Did you take hmm. notes on the contract signing? Or have you forgotten in the last 24 la, hours? La champion? La champion. <laughs> I think uh, what uh, Hager did to uh, Dustin Rhodes was pretty shitty. Mm. I thought that Awful. that was... It was... Putting a dent in a car, that's pretty that's pretty extreme. It's pretty then, wildy. Well, you gotta set the scene first, mother. You gotta tell the story. You can't just you can't just go to the climax right away. I, I yes I can. I well, already I mean, did. you can, but you did. <laughs> it's not it's not the way you should do it. This is this is a <laughs> podcast. A you gotta, this you gotta is, set the there's scene. There's a story. Let's see, is there's there, when you have a story, you have a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, you don't read the back of the book first. <laughs> you do if you want to know if you want to read the book or not. Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't read Fifty Shades of Grey and it's like, well, I had sex. All right, I get, I'm get done here. That was some kinky shit at the end there. <laughs> that was funny, Jay. Now I'll read, now I'll a, read the what story. An, what analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wrestling and sex, huh? Yeah, there's kind of a correlation of that. Oh, absolutely, there's a correlation. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of fighting on the mat, one might say. <laughs> so, well, they they start with with you know dr- pretty much drama, you know, with uh, Cody walking in with what's his name? Tell Giovanni. me his name. Yeah, him. Um, Tony Schiavone, as Jericho likes saying, pronouncing it. He's been doing yeah. it forever. Uh huh. Purposely pronounces his name wrong. <laughs> it's uh, great. Well, Jericho's such a jerk, anyways. You know, and he's gonna fuck with everybody. He's just uh, he's turned into an arrogant jackass, is what he's turned into. Well, he's le champion, right? Mom, he was but on this that's stage. that's going to be a 60-minute fight. Well, there's a time limit of 60 minutes. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't mean it will be 60 minutes. I think it'll be 60 minutes, and I think it, it'll be a draw, and, and La Champion will continue to be La Champion. judges will deem the champion victorious? Yeah. That's the little stipulation they had. So Jericho's on this stage, Mom. He's got his feet up on the table. He's got his dirty blonde hair all straightened out. Sunglasses inside. Belt on the table. And he's wearing his... It's not even a jacket or a shirt. It's like a blazer with no shirt underneath. It's purple. It's got big pumpkins on it because it's Halloween. (laughs) Right. He looks ridiculous. And I love it. Because he is ridiculous. (laughs) I think his name should be Jericho Ridiculous. Ridiculous Jericho? Maybe that would be better. Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know if that's gonna catch, mother. <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna catch on. So I'll think I'll think of some some name for him. I was very skeptical when they announced, oh, we're gonna have a contract signing, because I've seen so many of these and they all end the same way. And Jericho and Cody allude to it. It's like, oh, we could just 
stop this now and fight and have a little brawl and tip the table over or whatever. It's like, yeah, we've seen a billion of them. Or someone, like, comes out and jumps them and then they beat them down or, you know, whatever. So I was right. very skeptical of this. I was like, all right, what is AEW going to do differently here? So Jericho's kind of hinting. He's, like, twitching at him. You know, maybe you can catch Cody off guard, uh, beat him up while Cody's on, on his toes. Then they shake hands. You know, Jericho wasn't able to jump him during this whole contract signing. They had, they I talked like there. when he stood up and scared, <laughs> scared Cody. Yeah. Uh, that was funny. Just as Jericho is going away, Cody brings him in really close and they right. stare at each other and Jericho goes. I thought he was going to kiss him, actually. Yeah, they were really close. It was funny. He, he should have uh, given him a kiss of death. Ah, ooh. That would have been good. Maybe so, maybe someone else can do that on the that, next contract then, signing. Then there there would have been a brawl. <laughs> a Kip Sabian kisses him on the lips. Right. You know. Uh, <laughs> so Jericho goes, you know, we could fight right here, but I think you might be needed somewhere else. That's when Sammy Guevara pops up on the big screen on the stage. He's in the parking lot with a cell phone, taking a selfie, and there's Jake Hager beating up Dustin Rhodes, slams his head near the car. Leaves a giant dent. See, that's how you set the scene, mother. Take take notes there. <laughs> Slams his hand into the car door, possibly breaking his fingers. It wasn't they... his hand. It was his arm. Well, Supposedly. I thought it was his hand. No. Uh, and this is something I know you wouldn't know, but over the weekend prior to this, Jake Hager was in an MMA fight in Bellator. And... He Bellator. got Bellator. Where's that? Bellator. It's uh, it's another company like UFC. Oh, okay. So he's in a fight, and the fight's called off because Hager need the guy in the balls twice by accident. Right. <laughs> so what is the first thing he does to get to get the beat right. up on Dustin Rhodes? Knees right. him in the balls. Right. <laughs> so uh-huh. there you go. So the uh, MJF, Cody, and security. Goes in the parking lot. They're checking on Dustin. They get him. And there it cuts to Jericho with Hager and Guevara. Victory's lighting a big cigar. He's like, I did it. My plan worked. (sighs) Ah. So Selena De La Renta (laughs) and Jericho, both big cigars in in their own way. I loved it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Ah. What a jerk. His plan worked. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, six-man tag match. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, they're well, dressed up as video you know, game characters. You What's do up? know that um, that Cody match and Jericho is going to be nothing but trouble with the inner circle. You Ooh. know they're going to come into that circle. It's going to be mayhem on the ring. Ooh. In the ring. For sure. Is that what you say? Is that what you think? That's saying? exactly what I think. I and my prediction is that there's no way Cody's going to get that belt from Jericho. Jericho will not ever give up that belt. Ooh. Well, full gear is Chris Jericho. That's why he's got fort. his little minions, his inner what he calls his, his inner, inner circle, circle to protect. He's got his him. own minions. Yeah, he does. He's got his little minions and and they're going to protect him. 
because mm. they 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 want to be a part of Jericho's world. I could see Jake Hager getting involved. Surely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, this hasn't been alluded to at all, but Saturday at full gear is Jericho's forty ninth birthday. Ah. So, he's very confident and cocky about his match coming up with Cody. Mm -hmm. And this clearly means a lot to Cody. He's being very serious about it. Yeah, well, he can be serious all he wants. He's going to be a loser, Mm. especially for this. Are you you on the Cody train at all? Are you feeling him or just not into him? Uh, I know I'm not not seeing him as... uh, much right now i think he's a lot of talk i really haven't seen mm. much of him wrestling oh so maybe he should have been winning more matches yeah on the oh, okay okay yeah. yeah so i i think it's more hype than anything and i don't i don't see him you're not into the hype you're not buying it not not buying into it well you um, haven't watched the um november 6th show yet very curious to you. Your thoughts. Uh, yeah, that's very, true, too. Very curious your thoughts when you watch the Go Home show before Full Gear. Cody okay. uh, Cody does something on that okay. show. I won't, I won't spoil it for you. Okay. All right. Well, that's my thought from what I've seen, and I'm not feeling it um, just by uh, the way Jericho is with his minions and stuff. There's no way he's going to give that belt up. And now that you tell me it's his birthday, hell no. <laughs> Ain't happening. All right. Well, let's just go through the last team. Yeah, let's let's uh let's go through the last three things cuz um Kenny Omega, uh, Young Bucks, yeah, they win. Boop, 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 boop. They beat Kip Sabian and Jack Evans. Slams, power out. Another great match. It was a good match. Uh, Inner Circle Matt- comes and attacks. <laughs> Assholes. Matt and Nick Jackson dressed up as Street Fighter characters. Kenny Omega dressed up as Sans from Undertale. Video game references for you, Mom. Uh, Jack Evans and Kevin, Kenny Omega. I need to see more of that forever. I loved it. Um, after the match, as you said, Inner Circle beat up the Young Bucks. They were dressed up as uh, Rick and Morty in disguise and uh, pulled them over the barricade. That was cool. So they got them again. Yep. Inner Circle's always getting the best of them. Yep. When, it, when it's unfair circumstances, might add. John Moxley comes out for a promo. The librarians come out. They try to do their stick. John Moxley comes to the crowd. <laughs> was there was there supposed to be a match? Uh, with the librarian? Or it was just... He was just coming out to harass the crowd? I guess we'll never know, but Moxley DDTs him and uh, grabs the right. mic and he does a promo on Kenny Omega. <laughs> He said, um, in other words, when John Moxley beats your boy, the so-called greatest wrestler in the world, Kenny Omega, we're just going to pretend like it never happened. He's all pissed off about, uh, you know, it being uh, an unsanctioned match. Right. So now, because he's so pissed off, uh, he could, if, if, uh, if, he, if he has no choice to make this a, a uh, ruthless beating, then he's going to make it the worst beating ever. Kiss my ass and stay out of my way. Uh, his blood's on your hands, AEW situation. That was uh-huh. a great promo. Yeah. Uh, really gets me further hyped for the match. Moxley is crazy. He wants to really beat Kenny Omega badly, mm-hmm. even though he's an unhinged crazy guy. He wants that match to count 
and he won't be given that. So now well, he's going to really me, hurt him. Let me ask you something. Why do they think, why is John Moxley considered so crazy? Because he doesn't, didn't Do you not remember crazy. episode one? He interfered in the main event and threw Kenny Omega through the glass table. Uh, every, every time that they meet each other in the ring, they're pulling out weapons with barbed wire. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's both of them. Yeah, but it's both of them. Well, yeah, the ma- that means the match just they can't they can't contain him. It's too it's too crazy. <laughs> well, then, well, but Omega is the same way. But they didn't uh, not cover him. He's in all sorts of stuff. Well, Omega all has sorts of fights. Well, Omega's proven that he can he can do a singles match with Joey Janela um, without the use of weapons. And every match Moxley's been in, he. Like he uh, he DDT'd Pack and just left the match, so he's crazy. They can't trust him. Oh, right. Hmm, I guess so. Main event: Lucha Brothers versus <laughs> SCU for the tag team titles. The first ever champions. Match went about twelve minutes, Yay! so that's kind of their thing. I'm glad SCU won. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good fast paced match. Uh, both got the shine. Scorpio Sky uh, countered. This is how the match ends. So Scorpio Sky is in the package pile driver from Pentagon, right? Yeah. And he counters it with a small package. And Kazarian, who was taken out, uh, he was thrown through the like ring bell table. He jumps into the ring, leaps across the ring, takes out Phoenix, like like tackles him. To not right. break up, be able to break up the pin, and they get the flash victory. I love this finish. Yeah, it was good. They were always the underdogs in this match, right? Yeah. They were getting the shit kicked out of them. Kazarian seemed taken out minutes prior, uh, and and uh, it was two on one against Scorpio yeah, Sky. Yeah, he was hurting at the end. Yeah, uh-huh. two on one against Scorpio Sky. It looks like they have no shot, uh-uh. right? The team uh-huh. that took out. Uh, Christopher Daniels on 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 uh, week one, where they pile drove package pile driver the same move to take him out, and Scorpio Sky had to had to uh, take his place, you know, wrestle without the shoes on and everything. Right in Philadelphia. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so the same move he countered that same move, and Kazarian comes flying in uh, for the for the for the for the win. I loved it. The win, yeah. That was a good uh, main event match. I liked it. Did you like the ending? I did like the ending very much so. So a lot of people didn't like the ending. They thought it was stupid. I because... thought the whole match was uh, was good, actually. And I was I was surprised. I wasn't expecting SCU to win, and ultimately they did. So yeah, I liked the match. Yeah, I thought it was being set up for uh, the Lucha Brothers to win and then you yeah. know, defend those titles. But um, right, right. So, SCU wins. I thought I thought they were. Uh, are they, they were great. are they uh, going to be in t- uh, the match tomorrow night? SCU will be defending the tag team titles at Full Gear tomorrow. Okay. And uh, there w- there was something that happened on the November sixth show of who they're going to fight at Full Gear. So ah, again. I won't spoil. Yeah, please the don't reveal. spoil. All right, then I gotta watch all sorts of stuff tomorrow. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you got you got uh, November sixth to watch, and then you're watching yeah. Full Gear live. Yeah. At night. Got a busy, yeah. busy thing. Maybe you can invite a friend over and watch Full Gear with you. <laughs> get some. Uh, get some. Um, uh, not lactose milk. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> what? The the oh, the, the, oh, the the get gluten free beer. Glute- yeah, you get get your gluten free <laughs> beer and gluten free pizza. Make it a night. I don't know why lactose milk was the first thing that popped into my head. Because it has to be gluten or lactose, or either one. Yeah. Like you gotta get your stuff that's good for you, but make it a party. <laughs> yeah, I sure will. All right. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, mom. So the way we mm-hmm. end end this as usual between you and me, I gotta ask the question. Oh God! What was better, MLW or AEW this week? These these last two weeks, and you can't oh. count the pay per view. Oh, just the TV shows. Well, um, I I gotta say AEW is very entertaining this week. Boom, bang! Yeah. That's a point for AEW. It's two to one now. Okay. Yeah. And then, who was your favorite wrestler? This can include 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 the pay per view. Well, actually, and you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna really laugh at this one, but um, I gotta say, my my guy, Mister Injustice, I actually liked him this week. He was your favorite this week. He was Jordan. Oliver. Jordan Oliver was your favorite yes. wrestler out of everything that everything happened. Everything that happened. I don't believe this. <laughs> I'll write his name down. <laughs> but I, I I think you're being influenced by the ridiculousness <laughs> of our of our of our jokes between each other of this guy. <laughs> so for the sake of it, I will write down a second wrestler. <laughs> Who is your second favorite wrestler <laughs> this week? <laughs> past two weeks uh, well I got to say let me look here <laughs> oh, I don't like him at all I'm not a fan of Who? him uh, a filthy Tom Lawler I don't like him Oh. <laughs> um. Hmm. Nasty slime, Jimmy Havoc, and Pack. No. <laughs> I wonder if it's Kenny Omega. Let me think. Hmm. Hikarushita, maybe. The girl? You can say you can say the girl or Kenny Omega or The Dark well, Order with their minions. Yeah, we'll go with them. You'll go with the Dark Order? Okay. Yeah, go with Dark, Dark Order. Order. Okay. Yeah. Just throwing names out there. <laughs> who you like who you liked. Yeah, thank you. Okay. All right, Mom. Next well, time have, you join you'll me, have, you'll have to let um, 
let my let my boy know. <laughs> she liked you this week. She's proud. <laughs> proud I'm <of> proud. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Injustice Jordan Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> well, mom, it was good having the you young, on yet the again. Young whippersnapper. <laughs> great episode the next time you join me in uh i guess a week because this episode's late coming out because of your vacation yeah and i apologize uh we'll be covering go on vacation we'll be covering the next two episodes of mlw and uh aw go home show full gear and the post show so aw a lot to talk about in the next episodes Sounds good. Looking forward to your thoughts. You get to hear my live experience from Full Gear. Yeah, that'll be fun. Love you, Mother. I love you, too. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Manami Toyota. Love your music. Really gets me hyped to talk about... The All Japan Women Classics from Purosha Dream and Samurai TV. This is episode six. A slew of months have passed. Uh, we are up to 1985. It is April 2nd, venue Aichi. Uh, we start with the three the three WA tag titles. It's a two out of three falls match. It is still Dump Matsumoto and Crane U. Champions taking on. Lioness, Asuka, and Shigusa Nagayo, the Crush Gals. Uh, it's exactly what you expect this to, to be. It is Dump Matsumoto and Crane Yu going rough shot over the Crush Gals. And eventually, uh, it leads to the match just being thrown out. And that kind of sets up uh, a month later uh, a rematch. Well, it sets up a rematch where. Uh, the Crush Gals win the titles back, and then the next month, uh, Dump Monsumoto and Crane U are no longer... Crane U, I think, retired, and that brings in a special guest. So, yeah, it, it just it just got crazy with the kendo sticks and everything in this in this match. Um, at this point, I'm, fi- I'm, I'm now in the six episodes, and if you've listened to the previous five, they all kind of go the same way with these two out of three fall matches. Uh, Dump Monsumoto's group... Uh, goes crazy with the interference, gets a fall. Crush Gals fight back, get the second fall almost immediately. They have a third fall where Dump uh, and the crew will do some hardcore spots. And then in the end, one gets isolated and the Crush Gals uh, run rough shot over the isolated person and they get the third pinfall. In this case, it just gets thrown out. Too many, uh, it just got uh, out of hand, and the ref announces something or another about the tag titles, whether they were stripped of them or something. Uh, not sure. The two interesting matches actually came from Mexico, of all places, 1985, May 12th. Uh, this was highlighted by the Crush Gals going up against. Uh, now, 100% honest here, I know. Nothing about uh, women's wrestling from Mexico in the 80s. I know, shocking. 
not really on my list of historical things I have looked up. So this was new. Like, no idea who these people are. Crush Gals are against Lola Gonzalez and Rosa Maria. And the Mexican duo, I'm assuming they're Mexican, just because it's in Mexico. It could be from any place in Latin America or South America. Well, let's just go with it. Uh, I didn't think they were that great, but the Crush Gals made them look good, if, if that's the case. A uh, lot of submission holds, a lot of shoot wrestling styles. Uh, I just don't have a lot to say about it because I just don't know who these two are that the Crush Gals are against. It was just a lot of holds. Uh, I just couldn't get into it. So then, But the one match I could get into was the 3WA Championship, two out of three falls, Jaguar Yakota against Patera Serena. Whom was real good. She's a star. This was a wrestling match. So, Jaguar Yakota was actually on the defensive the most of the time. Patero Serena had this... You know what? I talked about Jake Lee at the top of the show with All Japan Wrestling and how he has this like kickboxing style. That's kind of what Serena did. She would kick the legs out of Yakota. Yakota would sell it like a million dollars. Like, it's the most devastating thing she's ever felt. Serena, Serena would follow up with knee holds and knee bars and uh, half crabs. Everything she did was working on Jaguar Yakota's legs. It just built up to the babyface comeback. Jaguar Yakota comes back, and she hits this. It's not the J-Driller, and it's not a tombstone. It's like a reverse tiger driver that she just dumps Patera Serena right on her fucking head. It just looked like she killed her. And I was convinced she died. <laughs> this looks horrid. Uh, I should really make a gif of this uh, and put it on Twitter, at BowlingJD. Uh, Redley Fretchercast. So Jaguar does the half-shoot pin... And it looks like Patera twitches because she's, like, got feeling back in her body or something. It was, oh, it's a very good match. Jaguar Yakota is ungodly good. Uh, You know, Chigusa Nagayo is the most over person I've I've watched in in these 80s rewatches with the NWA and All Japan Women now. But Jaguar Yakota is the best wrestler I have seen in this. And she's she's never disappointed. Cut to May 16th, 1985 in Saitama. We have a rematch of the Crush Gals in a two out of three falls the tag titles. Uh, they are the tag champions this time. And Dump Matsumoto is no longer partners with Crane U. Now she has Bull Nakano in her corner with her. Bull Nakano's got the half-shaven hair. Uh, Dump Matsumoto and Bull have uh, kind of rainbow coloring in their hair now. Very 80s. Um, Bull, Nak- Bull Nakano also has crazy Japanese writing on her skull all the way down her face. It's it's a look. And Bull Nakano has thick thighs. She's wearing a singlet. 
and she looks like she can kick your head off. She doesn't have any kicks in her arsenal. She still seems pretty green a lot about a lot of things. Uh, but she's coming across as a big future star. You could already tell whether, I think she's like 18 at this point, 1985. Don't quote me on that, but she is young. And this is all about, uh, essentially, Dump Matsumoto pulling the weight, letting the st- letting Bull Nakano kind of get her licks in every now and again. Uh, Nagayo had a lot of time with Bull, N- Bull Nakano in the ring. So you can see kind of a dynamic building there. Uh, a lot of hardcore, you know, and then, it, and then it goes like every other match I've seen. Um, it was just kind of reversed this time with the champions get the first fall. Then the heels get the second fall. And then the hardcore spot sits, gets, sits in. What this one was cool was Dump Matsumoto gets a chain and a kendo stick. And she proceeds... Now, the kendo stick did come in in the first match at the top of this classic episode. And she was, like, throwing the, the stick in Asuka's eye, holding her hostage. She was hitting refs. In uh, this one, she just had a fucking chain around Chigusa's leg uh, and pulling her, like, between the ropes and then just hitting her with the stick. It was brutal looking. I love Dump Matsumoto in her... I'm going to fucking kill you attitude. It is awesome. Now, do I agree with the whole heel ref and third and fourth refs on the outside? That is baffling uh, in this re- in in this uh, history taking watch. I don't know what it's all about. The heel ref coming in and breaking up a double sharpshooter. Uh, well, no. Nagayo had the sharpshooter and Asuka had... Uh, figure four leg lock, and then a heel ref comes in, slaps them both out of the the thing. Uh, but in the end, um, Crush Gals get do get the win. It it is definitely my most divisive uh, All Japan Classics that I've seen so far. Um, I'm getting a little overexposed to watching the Crush Gals every single episode. With kind of the same dynamic match. Um, so hopefully with episode 7. Get maybe a Bull Nakano singles match again. Or maybe see another Jaguar Yakota. You know someone else. Uh, I get the Crush Gals are like the big draw. Uh, maybe maybe even a different opponent. Because you know the I think it was the dynamic girls. Like that kind of so. Uh, here's here's hoping, fingers crossed. And that was all Japan. Let's move on, shall we? Oh boy. Okay, I gotta play a drop here. I'm not prepared. Oh god. What do I play, guys? Oh no. Uh, there it is. Okay, I can totally do this one. R-E-T. R-E-D. Yes. Ah. Oh. Dragon Gate. I finally <laughs> got my hands on the fucking show I meant to watch like a month ago. It is the Gate of Victory 2019, day 5, October 8th, 2019. And yes, I did already watch uh, the the show from November 4th. So, But that will be on the next episode. So this was the Gate of Victory. I've been dying to watch this for a long time. I, I've been way behind on my Dragon Gate. I caught all up. 
and what I got was a great show. This Dragon Gate show was awesome. I'm so glad I watched it. Uh, there was a three-way match. There was so much story on the show. Three-way match of Keisuke Okuda defeating Hio Watanabe and Kaito Ishida by DQ. It went nine minutes, and here's the story. Hio Watanabe shockingly quits Mochizuki Dojo, right, on the night before, and, uh, no, no, on the, on the, oh my god, what am I saying? He quits Mochizuki, Mochizuki Dojo, viciously attacking Okuda with a chair, uh, so the dojo was Watanabe's idea, right, but a whole year has gone by, and the dojo isn't really together as a unit, and they haven't won shit, so they're a bunch of losers, right, like, Shun Skywalker, like, they, they, um, he quits the group because he wants to go off on his own. Uh, because, it's, you know, he's not getting anything out of it. Now, Watanabe's pissed off. Uh, and, you know, so he announced he was joining uh, R.E.D. So, uh, Pack is no longer with the group, so they got they got a member back. So, although Yuki uh, Yoshiuka and Kota Minora both expressed their desire to get revenge on Watanabe, it was uh, Mochizuki himself who faced... Watanabe at the Cork and Hall show, which is taking place, uh, I believe yesterday, uh, which I need to watch. So, uh, interesting. So Mochizuki Dojo is fucking finished. Let's face it. Bunch of, bunch of losers. They are. Masato Yoshino, uh, defeats Shun Skywalker in a five minute, 11 second match. Guys, this is the best high-speed match of the year. Go out of your way to watch it if you can find it. Skywalker gets to jump on Yoshino as he's on the as he's on the apron. Proceeds to hit all of his crazy, awesome high-flying moves. Excuse me, from running springboard cross to the outside, the top the the rope walk moonsault that he does that scares the shit out of me to the outside. He hits a double knee moonsault, but alas, in one fail swoop. The Speed Demon Yoshino counters once, unleashes every one of his devastating speed moves, including winning off his extremely rarely used Lightning Spiral finisher, as it's called, which I will describe as a reverse Sukadora of sorts. So it's like the the wheelbarrow, uh, the side wheelbarrow um, move that Fujimoto uses. But he does it kind of the opposite direction, if this makes sense. Uh, so, yeah. Done it out in five. Yeah. Yoshino is the number one contender, no doubt. Exactly one year later, here's the story here, after Yoshino defeats Ben K in a title defense of his, just before he lost the title to Pac. So it's good storytelling. Then, in the Ultimo Dragon Camp versus R.E.D. feud that's been going on in the uh, house show circuit, which uh, I, I kind of skipped a lot of it, uh, fast-forwarded through a lot of it, because Dragon Gate, from the show perspective, is hard to get into because it's got a big house show feel. So I tend to pick and choose a lot of the matches and... Um, if, uh, like, something story-wise happened, then I'll, you know, pay closer attention to that. 
So the point being is R.E.D. has been feuding uh, over the last month with anything associated with Ultimo Dragon. Okay? So it's R.E.D. versus Torimon is what it's called. Uh, and it was taken to the next level here in this match. So during the recent Red Assaults on Ultimo Dragon, uh, Yasushi Kanda of R.E.D., Never laid a hand on Ultimo Dragon, his former teacher. And you didn't really notice this until like three or four shows gone by. And I don't think I would have noticed it unless uh, someone uh, didn't point it out to me on Twitter. So, uh, when given the chance to finally hit uh, Ultimo Dragon, he instead cracks Ata square across the head with a big box. Uh, so, there you go. He would never hit Ultimo Dragon with a box. He's done with red. Kenichiro Arai uh, joins in on the fight uh, with the former uh, Toriumon classmates. That is the Dojo Ultimo Dragon. Uh, that's the name of it. So, uh, Ultimo Dragon gets uh, two new members on his side to fight against R.E.D. But not to be outdone, Ata, the dick that he is, reveals R.E.D. also has two new members. So he's got to keep those number, those that number game up. He brought a pair of really strange, suspicious characters, and they're wearing freaky little demon masks. Their identity was going to remain a secret, and they would not be wrestling until Ata says otherwise. Ah, what a hero he is. And in the main event, the Open the Dream Gate title match, Ben K taking on Masaki Mochizuki. It went 20 minutes, and if we remember, Mochizuki won the Battle Royal at the uh, Secret Show at night that I covered. Or was it the show before that? Um, doo -doo -doo. Was it Secret? Was it Stormgate Day Five? Hmm. Point being, Mochizuki won a battle royal to become the number one contender. This match was a tale of two halves. First half was going through the feeling out process and headbutts, of all things. Quickly led to a small brawl outside uh, for the next, like, nine minutes. Um, once back in the ring, it was mostly exchanging submission holds and trying their power moves to counter. Mochizuki kept going for the key lock or the Kimura lock. Uh, or even the cross arm breaker, but he was unable to lock any of them in. Uh, very important for later. So there was a. Uh, even though it wasn't an exciting first half, there was stories being told that you wouldn't know about until later. So I was very much not feeling this first half, and then as the second half sort of when everything happened, I went oh. So at twelve minutes. Mochizuki kicks it up a gear by unleashing his massive kicks that he's known for, big strike attacks. Each guy took more punishment, uh, and they made it clear to their level of exhaustion and desperation at their, uh, uh, that they were at. I think um, these guys in Dragon Gate do the kind of exhaustion and desperation uh, character work much better than um, any promotion out there, actually. I, th I think they really... Oh, Omega and Okada reached reached um, a different level surely in their matches um, 
But this match was only going at like 16, 17 minutes-ish around there. And these look these guys were just playing it off as this was the hardest 16 minutes they've ever had. Um, but yeah, so much so that they were exhausted. When Ben K finally hit a spear uh, after being countered and kneed in the face... Uh, and connects with his gut wrench sit out power bomb. He finally gets it. he finally gets that power bomb, uh, the Benkei bomb. Mochizuki does a desperation right hook laying down before Benkei can follow up with the pin. So imagine a Batista bomb, and as the guys like popped up from the mat off the impact, the guy punches him in the face. They're both down. It was a cool spot. Mochizuki. Because he lives to fight on another day, he gets to continue this fight anyways, Mochizuki brilliantly connects with two submission moves finally. Benkei was able to slip out early in the match, so he hits in the Kimura, he hits in a cross arm breaker, crowd is a... They're in desperation for the 49-year-old to, to slip out a sneak victory like this. But alas... The youth prevails, that has been the story of Ben K, as the young 25-year-old still, despite the punishment, powers out of both and crashes multiple Germans on Mochizuki. I cringed at the finish a bit, as Ben K simply shoot headbutts Mochizuki Keno style, like scary stuff. Keno, um, Shibata would do these headbutts. Shoot butts Mochizuki, and he just gets a pin off the headbutt. So, you know, I get I get the the shoot headbutts are used like climax of big stiff exchanges. You know, I see it with Ishii, very much with Shibata. He would use it. Uh, Keno doesn't. He uses it like scattered throughout matches. I'm not a big fan of the shoot headbutts, uh, but it's very very interesting that that was how this match ends to the big 49-year-old veteran. Mochizuki was a beast in this match. Highly recommend this this match, surely. Uh, my God, yeah. it's It was really good. Highly recommend. And now on to a little bit of stardom. You blocked me on Facebook, and now you're going to die. Alright, so, for once, I don't have a lot of things to say about stardom. It's it's just a lot of... The matches aren't overly impressing me. Uh, their tag league is going on. Uh... So I watched uh, the Masked Fiesta. It's it's just a fun event. People cosplaying and getting different characters. Uh, it's a fun show to go check out uh, if you want like an in depth Masked Fiesta thought process over it all. Uh, unprecedented. I'm gonna say go check out the No Particular Angle podcast or even the Smack It Down podcast. They're getting into my buddy Jay. He's gotten into stardom. Very proud of you. So the Masked Fiesta, the Starlight Kid becoming Black Kid. It was really fun. Tam Nakano uh, is just killing it lately with all her character work, being all sad about Arisa leaving and uh, being gone for a week. And you have a um, 
they have their little banter. There's there's promos in the back where Arisa's telling her like, "Oh, you look cute today," and Tam just gets her her fan out, and not and just flicks her in the head with it, uh, walks away. So there's there's been a you got the team of Jamie Hader and B Priestley, the top Gaijins. Uh, you know they're all upset when they have to face their factions. Um, they're not really cutting the promos I would expect, but they are just going dozo at the end. They're like, mm, go look. So the red block, uh, I thought was going to be more competitive because you have, so there's the Osaka day night show, the Okayama show and the Shinkiba show. So we got four shows in total and the red block has the Ooh, do I have this right? Yeah, the Red Block has the tag champions, TCS. And Momo and Azumi. And then you have Top Gaijins. What's happened is Top Gaijins have run rough shot over them all. They're undefeated, got eight points. They've eliminated the group already. Uh, they're the standout performers. They are just killing. They're bigger. They're stronger than all the opponents. I mean, let's face it. Hazuki is not going to be able to win a tag tournament by herself. Uh, and there's just not... There's not been a standout match. The biggest standout match is the TCS, Jungle Kion and Konami, against Riho and Starlight Kid. Now... <coughs> I do like the dynamics of the teams, but there just seems to be a lot of comedy and not a lot of focus on a story. This is this is a this is something that I can't really put my finger on, whether it's Stardom's scheduling of how they're putting these uh, shows together with the red and blue box kind of mixed. I can't really get a feel for who's going where. Is there a story being told between factions? Uh, there's no three ways, there's no four ways, there's no three ways. I mean, there's faction dances that they do. Just not feeling the tag league uh, vibe. Do I think the matches are better than last year? I do. I think the matches themselves in a vacuum are better than last year. But I think the story last year was much more coherent with who you can tell is going over... Who you can tell is heading where. Uh, who's doing well and who's not. Um, it almost seems like this is kind of this comedy and focus party. You got the Drunk Queens. You have Hanakamura and Death Yamasan. You have Hana Death now, which is... I mean, don't get me wrong. Everything's entertaining. I am definitely entertained. But from a wrestling perspective, uh, I, I'm just not feeling it, right? I could watch the drunk queens dance in the in the crowd and drink drink Sapporo all day or uh, Acai. I think that's the the beer that they're drinking. Actually, I could watch uh, Riho and Starlight Kid do six one nines all day, right? The uh, but but the match, you know, I do recommend the match of Riho and Starlight against Jungle Kion and Konami. Jungle Kion and Konami losing matches and getting draws. Uh, Jungle Kiona's got the big, we are the, you know, she's singing, she's 
she's clanging the belts together with Konami. She's doing all the promos. You know, she's trying her best to get this thing over. Uh, after the Shinkiba show, um, yeah, Mayu and Arisa do their. Uh, oh my god! So I gotta mention this. At the end of the Shinkiba show, uh, Jungle Kiona and Konami just went to a draw with Rio and Starlight. Mayu and Arisa cut promos about their singles matches coming up. Uh, Arisa's defending the white belt against Jamie Hayter, and Mayu's going for the red belt against B. Priestley. They cut their promos. And, um, you know. B Priestley's calling, been calling Mayu a bunch of names. You know, you're you're the you're only the icon of getting injured, and Mayu is just the most beloved babyface, the icon that's that's you know like a two year journey of getting back to the top. Um, at the end of the promo, Mayu cracks Arisa in the face upside with the mic, and you hear this big thump. And they just laugh, and it's like, oh my god, they're just so dorky, and they're so perfect for each other in affection. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And they're about to close out the show, and then Jungle Kiona comes, and she just has this look in her face. She grabs the mic. Yeah, we're the champions. We're going to close the show. <laughs> uh so not a lot of thoughts. I'm looking for way more forward to uh, the the big event, the singles event. I haven't even watched it yet. I know the result of the red belt match, and I can assume the white belt match. Um, I've seen some gifs on on Twitter of it. So, uh, you know, end of October here. Let's call it a rest period for me with Stardom. Let's go with that. No ice ribbon. Nothing's been posted, so I don't I don't know what the what the deal is there. But hopefully you enjoyed the Gato move and the uh, talking a little D- Tokyo Joshi Pro at the top of the show. Hope you enjoyed the Stardom. Uh, you want more Stardom talk? Definitely go check out the other podcast I named. And let's move on to ah progress to do. Yes. All right. So, Progress Chapter uh, 96, True Friends Stab You in the Front. I'm just going to read what I got on this paper because it was a okay show. Eddie Dennis cuts a long promo to open up the show, just burying the fans and burying the promotion despite him literally iterating. He's been there since day one and on a whim decided to take over and cash in his contract to win the title. He gets the crowd in the palm of his hands, even to the point of getting cheered after he sees a cheeky fan in the stands with a replica title. And he says, anyone can purchase a replica belt, so put the shit down crowd goes nuts gets a big grin on his face gets back on track he's like i have you in the palm of my hands i get you to boo me one minute and i say my lines and get you to cheer me the next not a bad way to open the show but unfortunately this would be the only time we see eddie dennis 
No Mark Andrews. No angle on the show. Massive misstep in my eyes. No one called him out. Nothing. So we have no direction for the main title whatsoever. Proteus title match. Paul Robinson defending his, for the first time, the Proteus title. He's going up against Travis Banks. He beats his ass. They have a kick-ass match that consists of ripping up the mat and exposing the boards. You know, LAX, Lucha Bros style, Gargano Champa stuff. Tough bump affair, to say the least. Really emphasized how serious Paul Robinson, Mr. Robbo, is taking the title and its stipulation that he uh, that he did where you can only um, submit or knock out your opponent. So Robinson uses the boards. He curb stomps Banks into the boards, ground pounds Banks to unconsciousness, so the ref stoppage, so there's your knockout finish. Brilliant first match for the title. Uh, post-match, TK Cooper gets some heat by beating up the Delirious Banks. We have a uh, singles match. Danny Luda defeats uh, Tony Storm via roll-up. Uh, Storm tries to put her over in a promo to go after Satamora. Not really feeling it, especially with a roll-up finish. It does. It's not a convincing victory. So now you're a weak challenger going in against a strong champion. The match of the night was definitely Ilya Dragunov taking on Caro Noir. Uh, Dragunov does end up getting the win. So much like Kara's previous big match encounters with top-level talent, he loses in a valiant effort. Now, a rematch was announced for 97. So I, uh, I have a problem why then... Dragunov had to go over clean here. When will Kara get his big victory? You know, he's lost to Pete Dunne. He's lost to Pac. He's lost to Dragunov here. You know, he's had great matches. But when's it coming, right? Uh, So now with a rematch, will it be 50-50 booking? And they get a third match? That could cause an issue. Uh... Does he lose again? What's the point? It just seems so weird if... So, Cara Noir is clearly the future of the UK indie scene, right? And he could be primed for the top in progress or any other promotion. So, my only conclusion here is they just want to have singles matches. There's no plan for Car Noir to be at the top yet, and they don't have a plan for Dragonoff to be at the top because he's in NXT UK now. So, the best I can assume as a fan is this kind of means nothing except be entertained by a good match, which it doesn't feel like progress, right? That makes sense. So the main event was the tag team title match, Devlin and Scotty Davis, uh, Team OTT, if you will, against grizzled young veterans James Drake and Gibson, trying to get their tag titles back. Decent enough tag match with an interesting finish. GYV takes out Davis with a slingshot. Uh, so J- this um, Gibson has a tombstone set up on the outside on the floor. James breaks slingshots uh, over the top rope to the outside, and they do the uh, they do the um, Assisted pile driver. So something you would see the Crush Gals do, if you will. So Devlin was actually, uh, he jumps 
and misses James Drake upon that slingshot. So Devlin is on his stomach looking at the devastated uh, and taken out Scotty Davis. Devlin now alone gets the shit kicked out of him because it's two-on-one. This is very Crush Gals-esque, if you will. GYV goes for a Doomsday device, which Devlin reverses into a Spanish fly. Kind of botches, but he does land on Drake uh, for the pin because Gibson cockily turned his back in confidence that they won upon Drake coming off the top rope. So, of course, he looks like a big fool when he finally realized that he did not, in fact, win the tag title. So, a funny finish, kind of strange. Take it for what you will. And uh, I haven't looked at the total card for 97, but I do know that Dragon Off the War are having another match. And that was progress. Just, I'm not understanding why you wouldn't have uh, a main event title uh, picture in the future. I assume that's coming at 97 now. Anyways, it's time to talk New Japan. My God, this podcast is going on and on and on and on. Yet again. Over three hours. <laughs> uh, Alright. I need... Yeah, sure. I'll play Night. Alright. So before I talk about New Japan Power Struggle... I do want to mention the Osprey Eagles, the Birds of Prey, if you will, versus Team Coach match from the uh, Junior Tag Tournament was the match to check out from the tournament. Uh, It was a good match, hard chops, and some comedy. There you go. All right. So, New Japan Power Struggle. I fucking closed that tab by accident. Oh, my God. Ugh. Disaster I am. Give me power struggle. Thank you. Okay. So, a fun show, overall. Uh, you know, every everything was basically a recommended match, really. You had uh, the eight-man tag. That got to show off the young guys. Um, TJP gets the victory. I believe that's who got it. Uh, followed by uh, ELP and Ishimori defeating Eagles and Romero in a fun tag match. Um, I guess Suzuki Goon LAJ was kind of skippable. Tanahashi and Abushi team up to take on Okada and Yoshihashi. You can know who ate the pin in that situation to kind of build up the Wrestle Kingdom match. Naito defeats Taichi in a pff, affair. Uh, just Taichi, just I, you know, it's Naito Taichi. You've seen it a million times. Taichi does a shtick, uh, rips the pants off, super kick. Naito wins. You know, whatever. Uh, Rapongi 3K defeat Desperado and Kanamaru for the uh, uh, Junior Tag League Finals. So they win for the third year in a row. You know, they tr- they tried to put a st- you know a story between Desperado coming back from injury and Kanamaru. They're being the veterans. Uh, they're doing heel things. You know, Bushi. Uh, getting his thing with Osprey, and that cost Birds of Prey their spots. You know, Rapungi 3K, again, you know, it was, it was a good match. Maybe shouldn't have given that to him three years in a row. Kenta and Ishii beat the shit out of each other for 20 minutes, ending with Kenta 
giving Ishii two GTSs to really hammer it home that Kenta is the fucking openweight champion. Uh, I like this match better than their one at Royal Quest, actually, because Kenta didn't get clocked as hard. So that was really cool. Um, Kenta's... He feels like Kenta again, and, and this uh, feud with Ishii is very appropriate. Uh, did I put them... No, no, no. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Um, and then you had the match of the night. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna, actually going to go uh, talk about the Intercontinental title match first. That's Jay White defeating Hiroki Goto in 27 minutes, 40 seconds. Now, this one gets a lot of flack because Jay White's very calculating with his style. He does the Tai Chi thing where he stands out on the outside every time before the match starts. It's kind of getting in the quote-unquote head of your opponent. Uh... It was a very solid match. Uh, Jay White's excellent at his heel role. Uh, I think the problem is, you know, I've said Goto can work with anybody. He's very solid. He's an unsung hero. But Goto in a main event situation is so unbelievable at this point. You know, non-believable. You just don't believe he's going to win anymore. You know, in these big situations. <clears throat> he gets that small push, and then he loses. He gets small push, and then he loses. So, um, post-match, Jay White wants his fucking confetti, but these douchebags all want the double title with Naito, Ibushi, and Okada. Okada only wants the IWGP title, so he's like, you guys figure out this Intercontinental title situation. That's not my concern. I'm concerned about Wrestle Kingdom and defending the title. So, this could go a number of ways. And I think we're on a crash course for uh, Jay White Ibushi again. And let me explain why. Ibushi wins the G1. He's the big baby face. He's one of the biggest baby faces in wrestling right now. He beats Okada on night one. Goes into night two, where Jay White has beaten Naito for the IC, uh, retained the IC title, and then you get your G1 finals matchup. That is my true prediction. Now, do I believe Okada is just going to retain and then beat whomever, Jay White or Naito? It doesn't matter. So he sets another record, is something I'm. I'm not against, but man, how would that make everyone else look? <laughs> I think it's Ibushi's time. You have to do it. Ibushi wins the G1, then he gets the two titles. I don't see the heel doing it. What I do see is the heel being the guy who can be defeated after he gets a big first win. Hope that makes sense, people. So, <clears throat> Will Ospreay and Bushi go for the junior heavyweight title. Uh, Bushi's set up, you know, a kind of good little rivalry here. And they have a 16 and a half minute match that tears the fucking house down. This match had no right to be this good. But Will Ospreay in 2019 is un-goddamn-deadly in the ring 
and he will put on a four and a half star match in his sleep, right? I've never seen Bushi this good in like a year and a half. It's ridiculous. You know, I like watching Bushi, but I never believe he's like prime for big things because he's the guy who eats the pin in LIJ, right? Everything Osprey does is just so crisp. It's so enthralling with his athleticism. The best spot in the match was something I just could you, no one could predict this. Bushi goes for the Black Mist. Osprey wraps his lips around him, sucks in the mist upon a ref distraction, and mists Bushi instead. And Osprey's on the ropes, and he's got the mist, all, the residual mist on his hands, and it's over his face. He gets this big smile. And it's like, ah, I did it. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, doesn't get the pin. Bushi does mist him back because he's like, I'm going to fucking do it to you. And it just goes from there, and, and Osprey retains, and then he lists off post-match that he's beaten everybody, and what happens is such a goosebump feel-good moment is the time bomb intro comes out with with Toro the cat and Hiromu Takahashi comes back after a serious neck injury over a year and a half and he's challenging Osprey for the junior title he never lost or he never got a chance to go for no he no he lost it yeah it was uh, vacated right Ah, fuck, I don't even remember. It's been so long. Takahashi, I missed you. Can't even remember what happened at uh, Best of Super Juniors last year. Uh, Osprey's all excited to see him. Uh, Takahashi is just kicking his own ass. He's bumping. He's throwing himself in the guardrail. He's like, he gets on the mic for a second. He's like, people say I'm injured or can I take a bump or whatever. And he's just kicking his own ass. He's doing neck stands and back bridges and... He's like, Michael, Michael, give me Mike. Cuts a English promo on Osprey. And he Osprey holds the title up. Hiromu licks it because he's he's so unique. He's wearing just ridiculous his ridiculous clothes. It's great. Hiromu, good to have you back. They're having a match at Wrestle Kingdom. It's gonna tear the fucking house down. I hope no one dies. Uh yeah. Power struggle. It was good. Good, good, lots of good setups there. And now, I can move on to the last segment. Whew. Whew, whew, whew. Alright, leave that review on iTunes, please. I'll read it on podcast. WCW Nitro, August 24th, 1998. This will be the fastest Nitro review ever because I'm dead fucking tired. i got to get this out. So here we go. Start off the show in Chicago with Hogan and Bischoff coming in the ring via limo. Then they walk into the arena because they got to take forever. Bischoff on the mic holding a pen, he says. He can keep anybody out. Like how he kicked out Vader, Johnny B. Bad, or anybody. And like Eddie Guerrero, and, and like Eddie Guerrero, referencing Eddie's baffling promo from last week. Hands over the mic to Hogan. He spews a bunch of his usual Hogan mantra. Loses his voice for the second week in a row, which I kind of laughed. First match sets out. Comes the former Beverly brother in AWA fame and Mike Enos. 
of all people, versus the formerly known Adam Bomb, now known as Wrath. Match only goes about three minutes. It's harmless. Wrath gets a decent reaction from the crowd. He's got a big look to him. I love. I, I I'll be honest. When I was a kid, big Adam Bomb fan. Wins via the pump handle power slam. New talent out in Kaz Hayashi, trained by Ultimo Dragon, mind you. Uh, later famed talent of All Japan and Russell One, it's Kaz Hayashi, taking on Dean Malenko. These two had a great match. Kaz got a few good moves in, a couple close near falls, bringing the crowd alive. Corkscrew Plancha was pretty cool by Kaz. Malenko does win via the Cloverleaf after it all. Two for two in quick fun matches to start off Nitro. Hey, thumbs up. Wolfpack in the house. Luger Conan Nash. Nash says some ominous words in his promo that makes you uncomfortable knowing your history. Well, brother, you got a war. When I came here, it was all about a war. Bischoff, Hogan, if I gotta eliminate both of you, I'll do it. Because I'm gonna run this company. Nobody else. If I gotta be world champion, then so be it too. Oh, oh! If you know your history, yeah, it all it all happens. Yeah, not in a good way. It happens very soon too. So, uh, uh oh, indeed, if we all remember, uh, Nash gives Goldberg an ultimatum ultimatum to tag up with him tonight against Giant Hogan, uh, because he's sick of being speared. <laughs> two weeks in a row Goldberg uh, to the ring very fast uh, back with security in tow second week in a row <coughs> could be a regular <coughs> could be a regular thing now he simply just yells at Nash in the ring you got it don't even hear it Nash had to relay it to the crowd because nobody heard it he goes in case you didn't hear he said you got it uh, Nightheart and Conan then have a match. It's not much of a match. K-Dog wins via the Tequila Sunrise. It goes like two minutes. Tony Schiavone interviews Stevie Ray now until Booker T makes a surprise return. Causes a little bit of rift between the two. Ooh. Booker is named the number one contender for the U.S. title versus Bret Hart tonight. This doesn't jive with Stevie Ray too well. Yelling about the tag titles and appearing frustrated with Booker's single success. Whoa, he's jealous. Perhaps this is jealousy showing. Hmm? Hmm, audience? So uh, this match was made by J.J. Dillon in giving Booker redemption from Brett's attack uh, from, uh, from months before. I like it. It's good stuff. But Shivani's now in the ring, so he moves from the ramp to the ring. He interviews DDP. He, uh, DDP does his usual shtick until Piper's music hits. Roddy Roddy Piper comes. Says, as the commissioner, he is the only guy Bischoff can't fire. Piper makes a Sammy Sosa, Bill Clinton, and Hillary reference. So he's just on a roll with your 1990, what's hot, 1998. Uh, Piper makes himself the third guy on Team WCW to go with Warrior and DDP. So there you go. The star power has been answered for war games that I had in the last episode. No star elevation here. No Booker T or anybody rising up for this occasion, it seems. Uh, Mongo McMichael versus another flock member this week in Riggs. 
a deathly slow bad match that goes six minutes, five minutes too long. Malenko saves Mongo from a flock beatdown, which was cool, I guess. Uh, giant six foot six jobber Rick Fuller out to die versus Scott Norton, and indeed that's what happened. Unleash Norton continues. Love Scott Norton. Just power bombs the fuck out of this dude. Uh, almost didn't get him all the way up though, because he's six foot six and like three hundred pounds. Is Rick Fuller? Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner with his Mad Doctor. They come out to the ring, no longer being super taped up. Scott Steiner, the veins popping out of Steiner are—they're—they're uh, they're on all cylinders tonight. They're all over his body. It's just incredible. He's Big Papa Pump. He calls out Rick for tonight rather than wait for Fall Brawl. Of course, when Rick's music hits, it is now time for Act Two of Buff Bagwell as Rick cosplay. Basically the same shtick as last time. So, moving on. They've done they've done this before too recently. Yet more NWO out. So if you've been keeping track, now we're at like two or three NWO theme songs in a row. So I think uh I think actually I've heard this song six times in total on this show now. Brian Adams versus Lex Luger, just a shit rest hold nothing match that lasted nine fucking minutes. Lex Luger wins via the rack. Ugh. There's some bad wrestling on this show. Just awful. Um, So after teasing us all night of the Warriors appearance and revolution he spoke of last week, he is finally out and makes his entrance just like the Warrior does. He's got got a cool entrance. He's got the pyro. He's got the smoke. He runs around the ring. He's shaking the ropes. And he proceeds to cut another nonsensical mimic promo from last week for seven minutes. One Norrier Nation, a.k.a. is uh, highly promoted, the whole O-W-N. Not much of a revolution, if you ask me, and the crowd died during this promo. It was very boring. Uh, NWO music again. (coughs) Kurt Hennig comes out. No Rick Rude with him versus tv champion chris jericho a dream match for me so i was locked in jericho rips up the fan rips up a fan sign and then comically slips on it so he's brilliant as always and these two have an awesome tv match oh my god lasts only six minutes and 30 seconds to my tears in my eye that i couldn't get more of this uh, they try to tell me a 10 10 minute time limit expired for this match but as I like doing, I time these things. It went 6.30. So they're full of shit. Move, kitty cat. I'm talking about Jericho and Kurt Hennig here. Move. Get. Get, get, get. Very important I talk about Kurt Hennig and Chris Jericho. Only going six minutes. So, But those cer- those six minutes certainly lived up to my hype for what they could do. Uh, anyways, the giant comes in, pushes Hennig away from Jericho... And confusion ensues. The mystery continues with Giant and W.O. and Chris Jericho. So it kind of made me made sense with Stevie Ray stuff, but now I'm confused with the Kurt Hennig, and it's only going to get confusing in uh, the next segment, I believe. Uh, Bret Hart gets a mic once Booker T's music hits, but no Booker T comes out. Bret Hart calls Hogan the greatest wrestler of all time, as I puke in my mouth a little bit. 
Then he talks about the man he respects above all, and that's Sting. It appears Stevie Ray took out Booker T backstage, so he proceeds to take his spot against Bret Hart, so that jealousy is now coming in. Kitty, get off these things. Jeez. So yeah, jealousy. Um, yeah, so, well, he comes out, takes the, we, we think he's going to take the spot against Bret Hart. I guess the idea was we're supposed to think someone took out Booker T, but they were arguing, and it was very clear it was Stevie Ray. So Bret Hart then offers to for Stevie Ray to join the NWO, a heel turn nobody wanted or reacted to. Was Stevie Ray accepting the offer to join NWO? Lame. Crowd death quiet for all this. Waste of my fucking time. Did not like this segment. It, uh... No screw job of Booker T in the match. No... Ultimatum? Like, nothing. He just, he just puts the shirt on. Like, yeah. Another NWO member, I guess. So, Giant screws Stevie Ray out of the TV title. <coughs> Uh, and then he's in the ring giving Stevie Ray a t-shirt. And he's pushing Kurt Hennig around. I don't get it. That's where the giant thing gets very confusing. Is the giant turning babyface? I don't know. I know he's... Does he join WWF in 99? Yeah, I think so. So he could be on his way out. I could explain a lot. Main event tag match time. Hogan... And Giant versus Nash Goldberg. <coughs> so this was an absolute clusterfuck. <coughs> As I'm running my throat dry. Mm. Absolute clusterfuck this main event was. Barely goes three minutes before the Disciple, I guess, clips Goldberg's leg with a title belt. It's like, doesn't even touch him. Right in front of the ref, not a DQ. Kurt Hennig comes down. From the ramp. Move, Kitty. Jesus. Ah, I'm trying to get mad at WCW. Kurt Hennig comes down, starts beating on Nash on the outside of the ring with Giant. Disciples on the outside. Not a DQ. Hennig literally gets in the fucking ring and starts fighting Goldberg. Not a DQ. Then more NWO comes to the ring for a beatdown, followed by Conan. Match just continues on like, ah, this is normal. I mean, I've seen some interference shit in All Japan Women, but ultimately, (coughs) (coughs) I know what's happening. I don't know what's going on in this fucking match. So, the match continues on. Eventually, the ring is left with just Kurt Hedig and Goldberg leading into a spear and jackhammer. And remember, the match is Hogan and Giant versus Nash and Goldberg. Goldberg pins Kurt Hennig and the ref counts to three. He pins a guy who wasn't in the fucking match. More beatings until Warrior, DDP, and Piper all rush the ring, clear it out. I don't even know. I'm throwing my hands up in the air. I don't know what the fuck happened. I'm baffled. 
I just watched, you know, a little spoiler here. I hope my mom doesn't hear this. I watched AEW last Wednesday where a ref botched a pin, but it's not like it's not like Moxley entered himself into the match, beat up Pack, and then he gets pinned. Like that didn't happen. It was uh, fuck. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm like n- not being harsh enough on like NXT and AEW and all these modern promotions with botches and stuff. But when I watch fucking shit like this, where the main event is just a clusterfuck match mess, and the main main event has a dude pinned who's not in the match, I'm done. Okay. We're getting closer to war games. <laughs> At least we know who's in the fucking match there. I wonder if someone's gonna fucking disappear and get inserted and someone gets pinned who's not in that match. I don't know. We'll see. This one... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I gotta... I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do the, the wrestler rankings. My God. Ugh. Long ass episode. Wrestler rankings. Right fast. Women. 10, Bree Priestley. 9, Britt Baker. Britsburg, baby. 8, Jamie Hayter. She's, hey, tag league. 7, May Suga. Awesome. 6, Emmy Sakura. Legend. 5, I'm giving points to Shauna. That was an awesome match on AEW. 4, Shoko Nakajima. DDT and not up. Hikaru Shida's at number three. Tessa Blanchard at number two. She would have been one if she won the X Division title. One is Yuka Sakazaki, because she actually won the title. <coughs> Men's, 15, SCU, first ever tag champs, AW. 14, Joey Janela, proven that he can actually wrestle. 13, Paul Robinson, he's a badass. 12, Ben K, hey, get that Dreamgate title, buddy. 11, 10, respectively, fought to LA Park. Excellent main event at Saturday Night Super Fight. Nine, Cara Noir. Eight, Ilya Dragunov. Yes, I love that wrestling match. I just question the booking. Seven, Will Ospreay. He's a beast. Six, Lucha Bros. They just have been crushing it everywhere. And then five is Kento Miyahara because he's one of the best in the world. Four, Masaki Mochizuki because he just fucking destroyed the main event. Uh, It was all him. (laughs) Three, Jordan Devlin for being a part of one of the best storylines in uh, wrestling in 2019. Two is Kenny Omega. He's a wrestling machine, best bout machine. One, David Starr, because he's the new OTT champion in the best storyline in 2019. One of the best. Okay, was that fast enough for everyone? I am dead tired. Gotta get this sucker out. I'm gonna get up early and drive to full gear tomorrow. Six and a half, seven hour drive. This was episode 43 of the Red Leaf WrestleCast, Gate of Victory Struggle, much like my struggle for need to sleep later. I will see you next time. Peace out, guys.